everyone. Thanks for tuning in to Power Athlete Radio. When you dropped your questions into our Instagram feed this week, we responded with roughly two hours of somewhat helpful feedback. If it's metabolic flexibility you want to learn about, you are in luck. Training the Power Athlete Hammer program or trying to improve your deadlift, we got you. Who would win in a street fight, Van Dam or Bruce Lee? Yes, somebody asked that, and not surprisingly, the crew was able to solve that little chestnut as well. But if you are one of the several who asked a movie-related question, God damn it, you know what you did. You know that the crew can't resist taking a simple cinema question and turning it into basically a multi-decade rundown of literally every movie they've ever seen, slept through, heard of, whatever. This is your fault. Here it is, episode 342. Does the show officially start now? You gotta drop your intro. My intro? I forgot what the resolution was. I'm changing the intro, I thought. We're, are we back to Power Athlete Nation? This is Luke. Text is are we on? Yeah, we're on. And then Bobblehead special, John? Bobblehead John is here with us today. <laughs> no, wait, it's real oh, John. It's real. He can talk. <laughs> oh, did so you guys did when I wasn't here? You just set up a bobblehead? Yeah. And then you went and just like kind of flicked it a little uh-huh. bit. He was great. Uh great companion. Great, great featured guest. Jean Wellbornet. Ah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. you're listening to another episode of the premier podcast in strength. <laughs> <laughs> Are we doing that this year? Yeah, sure. No, it sounds awful. Okay. Strength. <laughs> Strength and conditioning. Ing. Just like Bobblehead John. I'm not inging in 20. You're not inging in 20? Uh-uh. You just inginged. Uh-uh. We got him. I am, I am not ING in. Fine. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll have to, get, we'll have to reprint all the new 2020 podcast collateral. To just two ings? To two ings. <laughs> Strength and conditioning. Ing. We did it. <laughs> and then you all out there can be the third ing. That's, yeah, you know, we're breaking down the wall, the fourth wall. Is that what they call it? When we talk at the camera. Yeah, when you, like in so a movie. If you were to Zach Morris this and pretend that John and I were not here. Time out. And you would look at the camera uh-huh. and then talk about your feelings. And that, then we're. That's breaking down the fourth wall. Correct. And we'd be. Un- Is that talking in the fourth person? No, it's breaking down the fourth wall, and then but it's we a movie. Don't know, Lingo. but we don't know what you're thinking oh. or feeling. So we'd have to pretend we'd go earmuffs. Mm-hmm. So time out. I'm just feeling sad today that John didn't give the third ing. Time it, <laughs> John. What do you think? No <laughs> you're not supposed to know. That was a test, uh, ladies and gentlemen. We have a inaugural crew episode this year. Oh yeah. The year, Captain's Log, Starship, year 2020. And we are going to take your questions that you guys dropped on Instagram. Maybe, maybe not. Um, and chit-chat and catch up. Because honestly, we haven't really seen too much of it. Well, I haven't seen too much of you two. And then, you, yeah, you were traveling too. Big guy, you've had some big things going on with the kids on a month-long vacation uh, from school. So we're probably going to catch up, too. And we're probably going to talk a little bit about that NFL weekend. Pretty spicy weekend. You I watched call, some football? I had a great time. I called it. I, uh, I recorded the Patriots game. We had to go to dinner uh, for my wife's birthday, which, you know, was <laughs> lovely. 
so I like I like so context I, around I, that as as I as we were ordering entrees, I was asking for the check. Hey, can you bring the check? And <laughs> then be like, oh, so and, and then it was dessert. But I know she doesn't eat dessert. And then finally, we got home, and I was able to like I had recorded it and jumped in like right at halftime. Thank uh-huh. God. We uh, so context for listeners. We had planned to do like a mis- uh, mystery science theater, right? Mm-hmm. Mystery Science Theater Football Companion Football Companion Podcast And then like For, for the Patriots First half And then we'll, as we're Kind of like Finalizing details John's like Shit it's my wife's birthday <laughs> so we had And you're like record. Well do you have to be there I'm This like, feels yeah. optional it's, well, not, it's not your birthday I feel like uh, I should have just Given my credit card And been like Here's my credit card uh, You take care of everything uh, uh, We should have sent The bobblehead <laughs> <laughs> Probably had more Probably more good things To say uh, But So we, we punted on that Pun intended, I guess. Uh, but I guess that's what this show is now. Is we're going to catch up on that. So okay, so go. That's what that is the angst that Jay Welly is feeling right now on going to dinner instead of watching the game. Oh yeah, no. But we got home, thank God, watched the game, and uh, I called it from like before. As soon as I saw the Patriots lose to uh, the Dolphins. I knew. I was like, man, they were all set up for that fucking first round bye, and then the minute they 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 lose an improbable game to the Miami Dolphins, the fucking worst team in the NFL, all of a sudden now it kicks them out from the second to the third seed, and now they got to go back home and play for the first time in like ten or eleven years a wild card game in uh, New England. And I was like, man, this isn't going to end well. Either Tom Brady's going to come out and put a curb stumping on him and remind everybody who he is, or he's going to come out and realize he has no weapons and fucking the game's going to get lost and he's going to like sail off into the sunset without a contract and it's going to be fucking awesome. And the latter happened. And what uh, was your I, story? You watch it live? Oh yeah. I watched it live and was just riding so high after the Texans win. Come back. Victor. It, it was an incredible second half. First half I was a little pissed off, but um, oh man, Desan Watson is Incredible. I'm just praying for them to match up against Baltimore. So you get Lamar Jackson and Deshaun Watson. And um, I feel like it was like a give me like, uh, you know, I know the Texans have sucked for a long time and they still suck. So I feel like this was just them getting like a little bit of a uh, like a little bit of reprieve and a little bit of validation that they're not as shitty as I think they are. And they're going to go to Baltimore and get their asses fucking handed to them. Well, they're going to have to win in Kansas City before that happens. So, I oh, that's right. Sure, I'll take a loss in oh, the AFC no, Championship. No. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. They are going to Kansas City. Oh, but fuck. they already beat. That's even fucking worse. No, they beat Kansas City at home this year. Mahomes yeah, starting. I, I'll tell you this, man. I think uh, um, with the Patriots getting knocked out, this creates an opportunity for Andy Reid, who, I'm not, as you guys know, I'm not a fan of. Uh, but I am a fan of Kansas City. This gives them an opportunity to, like, like, this is their chance. If Kansas City doesn't do it this year, it's going to be fucking hard. I mean, think about it. Like, the Patriots are out. The Patriots have always been the bane. Yep, blood's in the water. Right? They beat, uh, they beat Andy Reid in, uh, when we were, or the year after I left and went to, uh, in Philly and when I went to Kansas City. And, dude, the Patriots always seem to be the spoiler. So the fact that they're out, it's big. And if Kansas City wins, it would be MVP versus MVP. Last year, Mahomes, and then this year... Jackson. No, mm-hmm. he, not official, but he definitely, he's the guy. Yeah, so once, you know, because I, I navigated into the Saturday night podcast thing with Ashley, you know, like, it's like a 
probably like a 90 minute exchange of like, oh, like, yeah. you know, kind of like did working. You, did you podcast it? No, no. But like, then I got the approval oh. on Friday night. Yeah. What'd you have to give up? Right. And nothing. It was just like, I don't, not that I recall anything, but then I got the text from you. We were on our way to dinner. I'm like, oh, podcast off. She's like, okay, great. We're going to a light show in a coffee shop in Westlake. And I'm like, how'd you... She's like, there's no way you guys could pull together a Saturday night podcast. So she already <laughs> made plans for us. Point being, we went to the Hula Hut place, watched a little bit of the Texans game there, there. Got to, like, it was start of the fourth quarter. It was me and Nate Dog, And I'm like, man, I really do want to watch. Like, this is actually as a big fan of J.J. Watt, you know? Like, J.J. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Watt of Power J.J. Watt, J.J. Watt. He, he did put on a show, John. No, he didn't. Awesome. What? He fucking rested for the last, oh, I don't know, fucking four months and came out and gave him fucking three Rest. hard plays. He was Great IR. strategy. <laughs> coming off IR. Coaching his teammates up. Oh, yeah. When it matters. Dude, and my, then coming back my favorite is uh, Booger McFarlane, who is uh, like one step above fucking uh, dog shit. Uh, not only as a player, as a human, or I don't know him as a human, but as a player um, and as an announcer, he's fucking awful. He had the fucking best burn I've ever had when they were like going around. And of course, JJ Watts mic'd up and they're fucking doing this. And he's like, some players really love being mic'd up. <laughs> it was <laughs> the fucking zinger of zingers. But do you have like a, I think you have a different appreciation for it being in like, because have you played against a dude who wasn't mic'd up? And then he was mic'd up, and you're yes. like, come on, yes. dude, tone yes. it down. Yes, uh, many, many times. Like, all of a sudden, we'd like hear, be like, he's mic'd up, huh? Like, <laughs> like you could tell who was fucking mic'd up. That's pretty funny. And uh, to the point where we'd even, like, talk shit to him and be like, hey, shut the fuck up. You know, I know the fucking mic. And they'd be like, I know the mic is on me. I got to fucking say, you know. And like, <laughs> I, I did see a clip of Chris Long, defensive end. This is when he was with the Eagles, and one of his teammates was mic'd up. I forget the teammate. But then the teammate was signaling, like, I'm mic'd up, shut up. And then Chris Long was like, oh, so did you, uh, did you go to the doctor? Did you get that? Did you get all cleared up? Did, they, <laughs> did the ointment work? And so he was just fucking with them. So they, they dropped that. Uh, well, that we, uh, whenever we were mic'd up, because um, they, they mic'd us up on, for practice for, like, you know, hard knocks and all that. So we would just refer to it as hard cocks. We'd be like, oh, God, this hard cox is killing us today. <laughs> and like, uh, I'd be like, man, I'm really having a great time here on hard cox. And they just, and then the, the producers after would be like, we can't use any of that. We're like, yeah. oh, fuck. Cock, 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 cock. <laughs> yeah, but be like, what's wrong? Hard, I'm, oh, hard cox. Oh, not hard knocks. Oh. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it, it's, uh, it's the fucking Ray Lewis thing where like uh, they're going to they're going to mic up Ray Lewis, they're going to put him at home. Uh, they always have to introduce the defense even though offensive defense always alternate between homes cuz right. everybody gets to run out for their fucking home team. But the Baltimore Ravens always did the defense mic'd up so Ray Lewis could come out and do his fucking awful dance for 10 minutes, mic'd up and scream and yell and all the fucking people would go crazy and we just sit there and just be like this is fucking awful. Let's go beat his fucking ass. Ray Ray. Yeah, I did a good I went to 2011-12 season Texans Baltimore playoff game round two, and we were right at that tunnel with the fire and the. Uh, and he comes out. He's like, ah. yeah. <laughs> Does his fucking so dance? But I guess if you're a Ravens fan, it's got to be awesome. I think uh, Ray Lewis. Uh, we always had this sinking suspicion that um, in his house he built like a mock tunnel coming out of his bedroom, and every morning he would come out and do that as he was leaving. You think you think he practices that every morning? We're like, oh, 100%. Have you watched him on the NFL pregame show? No. That's how he comes out. <laughs> in a suit. 
Oh, Jesus. No. For real? Oh, okay. I, oh, I, I fucking... <laughs> like, I, I've seen him. I, I, uh, yeah. Dude, so I've, so I've been going to PT in the mornings, and they always have, like, the NFL uh, new... Like, whatever the NFL fucking pundits are up. And um, I didn't know that uh, uh, Damon Woody is one of the guys for, like... I don't know, one of the shows that we were watching. And, you know, we were drafted the same year, and I used to train... I trained with him at the Combine. I've known fucking Damon Woody for years. And uh, he's another fucking one who's just fucking awful. So... Are you pulling him up, Tex? I don't, I don't know who yeah, you're talking about, John. I don't know him. This is oh, yeah. No. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's NFL Get Up. And, yeah, that's what we've been watching, NFL Get Up. The best is he's been wearing all these dark-colored sweaters because I guess his suits ain't fitting him anymore So he put on a little <laughs> excess weight. Yeah. Is he on Biggest Loser? Apparently, he was on The Biggest Loser. Oh. 388 pounds. Wow. I did not know he was one of the biggest losers. And former QB Scott, Scott Mitchell, Mitchell, 366. When was this? I don't know. But we are pulling it up. Oh, my gosh. This is, this is 2014. Five years ago. Wow. All right. 366. Yep. Wow. For our listeners, we simply Googled Damian Woody and Biggest Loser, and he came up with QB Scott Mitchell. John, this kind of goes to what we were talking about with the metabolic flexibility thing on these dudes who, as they... Especially the, like, line-made bigs as they hang up the pads, right? um, So, yeah, I was was rapping with... um, uh, Shit. um, Nick Hardaway. He was a center for uh, the Chargers for years. And when he retired... He uh, basically was like, you know, like college wrestler, went out. I didn't think he ended up playing like 11 years for the Chargers at center. And the last game he knew he was done. And uh, he went home and pretty much I think he like ate one meal a day and did yoga for like three months. <clears throat> went from like 300 to like 230, maybe 220. And then showed up for his like goodbye press conference. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, it's pretty hilarious to see. Like he said he walked in in a suit and people didn't even recognize him. And he was standing there and they like went to introduce him and he walked up there and people were like still looking around. Thought he was like some front office guy coming in to like <clears throat> talk and it was pretty amazing. But yeah, I was rapping with him about it. And uh, he was in this thing um, when the Chargers were in San Diego called the Hasbins. And it was a bunch of ex-NFL guys that used to get together as kind of a support group. And uh, I thought it was a genius idea, but um, he invited me to come on his podcast just to discuss some of the stuff we've been talking about with metabolic flexibility. And I think, I think what's really pretty interesting, especially for ex-NFL players, is the lifestyle doesn't necessarily change in terms of like what you eat and kind of your approach to things. What really changes is the volume of work and exercise that you've been doing. Like, you know, you have training, you have like training camp, you have all these markers that you're going up to. Then all of a sudden you don't have that level of competition available to you anymore. So the problem comes down to is if you're used to that amount of training and you're used to that like just situation, like we would go to the gym uh, you know, every NFL team I played at, we would train at six in the morning. You were usually at meetings by eight fifteen. If you wanted to bank some weights after, but at least four to five, six days a week, you were training at six a.m. You would see guys. You know, you had this kind of support group, and then you go to the point where you don't have that anymore. And he thought it was interesting that I kind of built the same situation, obviously with you schlubs, um, you know, and parsley. Which you know, was he there this morning? No, oh. no one was. Just you. He rolled in around six forty-five. That is untrue. 
I with, a, a, with a beer. <laughs> yeah. I'm well, still celebrating the Texas smoking win. Smoking a cigarette. Uh, <laughs> well, I, uh, I didn't get any text messages or any like, hey, we are, are we going? So I just kind of was like, oh, I guess nobody's doing anything today. Dude, I'm, I've been peaking for weeks. That's a lie. Mm-hmm. But okay. So uh, by creating a facility and creating an atmosphere where you show up and you train and you get it done and there's camaraderie and the whole deal, you're able to kind of mirror it. And I told them, I'm like, you know, the problem is, is for so long as an NFL player, you get drafted and you kind of get adopted into these teams and into these cultures. And then when you leave, you don't understand about creating your own culture because you've never had to. You've just attached to others. And so my biggest thing has been like, how do you create a culture that necessitates the life that you want to lead? And uh, that was... You know, as I was talking with the metabolic flexibility thing, I mean, um, as we age, this stuff becomes more and more important. And the talk I'm doing for the NSCA is going to be based on this idea of like, and I think the hilarious part about this metabolic flexibility is I read about it probably two years ago. And for the last year in 2019, I had really been kind of secretly researching it and just trying to read everything. I mean, we had Karen Kelly on the podcast and we talked, talked pretty exclusively with her about it. But I had this idea that there was something to it, that there was some like something that would point to a diet or, or it was using metabolic flexibility as a test for something. And I got to the realization that, um, the more lean body mass that you carry relative to total weight. So like the higher your lean body mass is lower the body fat, the more metabolically flexible you are because it requires metabolic flexibility to carry uh, a high amount of lean body mass. Right. So we also know that excess fat prevent or uh, um, slows the oxidation of fat. So then it doesn't allow you to use fat in the same way. So it was really kind of funny. I got to this thing and realized that, hey, like whatever dietary approach that you can use to effectively lower your body fat and increase your lean body mass and continue to be strong is really the predominating factor for metabolic flexibility. If you were to increase, I know we're talking hypotheticals here too, listeners. So this is like we're not drawing firm lines in sand. We're just exploring the conversation. So John, let's say you had, you were, you wanted to increase lean body mass and maintain metabolic flexibility, but it was a rapid, an attempt to rapidly increase lean body mass. So like the bulking protocol, right? Mm -hmm. So you're, you're obviously going to increase body fat, but the goal should be to maintain the, the, so when you did 22 Jack Street and you, and you went from, what, 208 to 252? Yeah. Uh, no big deal. Did you put on any lean yes. body mass? Uh, I, in my opinion, now, no, no testing because we didn't do any waypoint testing. But, like, for the first six weeks, I feel like I got big and strong. Oh, well, I, I know that. But, like, right? didn't, didn't. but at the end, from start to finish, no. But, uh, like, I, we've talked about in the podcast, that trip to, fuck, to uh, Cape, Cape Town. Town murdered me and ever since that trip that's when like a switch flipped and i went from a taper to a pair yeah especially in that uh so i think i put on maybe a pound but it was predominantly fat that i put on right once uh, during the bod pod start and stop so what you effectively did over that uh five and a half months is you created a massive amount of metabolic inflexibility bingo right and uh i know that because um all of a sudden you would sit down and eat that big like carb meal you remember with the rice and all that yeah rice syrup uh ketchup (laughs) yeah and all of a sudden you would like just glaze over and i thought you were gonna fall asleep Mm -hmm. no i was sleeping i know you were (laughs) yeah you you were just painting like like you had those sunglasses with your eyes open on them and i'm like is he sleeping over there 
there. <laughs> but like, it's really pretty fascinating with um, with metabolic flexibility because it's it's how fast your body can clear and use carbohydrates effectively. Mm-hmm. Like, if you eat carbohydrates and all of a sudden your blood sugar goes up to like three hundred, and you know you're having all these fucking issues and your body can't really process carbohydrate in the way that you think it does, then the best approach, and I think what happens is people create. Uh, dietary approaches to try to fix metabolic inflexibility. And if you Google metabolic flexibility, you'll see like Mark Sisson and uh, the Bulletproof Coffee fucking scam artist and all these guys, you know, talking about using rigid forms of nutritional approaches to fix this metabolic inflexibility, which it leads to pathology. So the idea is that uh, intermittent fasting, right, which is, as we found, it's just a really jiggy way to caloric restrict, even though Dr. Tom did send us that research yesterday. I don't know if you guys read that about... I just read your embraces okay. like snips, and then I'm so, like, oh, I got to get to yes. this. So uh, Dr. Tom sent me this whole thing on like, you know, this new study that came out on fasting, and they were like, you know, talking about it, and they're like, but we don't know if it came from the fasting or from the caloric restriction, right. which at the end of the day, we've always said that, you know, intermittent fasting is just a cool way to caloric restrict. Uh, but they recommend intermittent fasting, and a ketogenic approach. So effectively what you're doing is you're using very, very rigid forms of uh, dietary approaches to try to fix something, mm-hmm. when in reality, is it the intermittent fasting and the ketogenic diet that are actually fixing metabolic inflexibility? Or the behavioral change? Well, what they're really doing is they're becoming a restrictive diet, which effectively you're removing things and should create a caloric deficit or at least put you into a situation where you're eating less And the metabolic flexibility, I believe, comes from lower body fat. So whatever you can do to lower body fat should be uh, ideal. Now, the one thing they don't talk about, which I found within the research, is the idea of creating a large aerobic base as your body's ability to oxidate fat more efficiently. So a few things happen as we age. One is uh, we lose mitochondrial density. So the mitochondria are are our cells. That's how we get energy. So they lose the ability to to produce that and they lose density, which keeps them extremely dense and which allows the mitochondrial to stay healthy as an aerobic base. So Mm -hmm. the aerobic base becomes very important as we start to age. And I tested that in 22 Jack Street because uh, the the only thing I did different than you guys, even though we did the same program. Yeah, I didn't do the fucking step now. Dude, well, there was a reason why. I think what was amazing is we ate very similar dietary approaches. We did the same training. You ate in a caloric surplus with no aerobic work. Right. I ate in a caloric deficit uh, and did the aerobic work, and the results were completely different. Mm-hmm. So I believe that that aerobic... And the crazy part is is uh, my strength went through the fucking roof. Mm-hmm. You know, I know I pulled like 585 for like a, like a set of eight on the fucking deadlift. I remember Nate was like, Jesus Christ. I'm like, and he's like, and you're 20 pounds lighter, which to me was like, man, the only difference is uh, the aerobic base. The other thing is, is um, we lose the ability to, to recruit motor units. So motor unit recruitment starts to hammer us as we age. And what are the two things that people do when they start to age? They don't want to lift heavy weights anymore. Nope. I, uh, on New Year's Eve, I had two guys, uh, or we had uh, two families come over that have daughters the same age as my kids. And the two dads are my age, and we were rapping about training. And uh, the amazing thing is how all of a sudden people feel that like you get in your 30s, you get in your 40s, the one thing you don't want to do is lift heavy weights. It's going to destroy your joints. It's going to hurt you. And I'm telling them, I was like, you guys are going to age faster because you're not moving heavy weights more mm-hmm. so than you're, you know, that's not indicative of age. It's like, we don't stop lifting weights because we get old. We get old because we stop lifting weights. And I told them, I'm like, hey, man, because uh, they go do um, this aim thing at the Hill Country Indoor, yeah. which is kind of like this NSAM fucking, you know, it's a lot of like, lunging and chopping with like three pound med balls. Right. 
And I'm telling them, I'm like, hey, man, like that stuff's great. But what they're doing is they're using a prehab rehab model to try to train you into fitness. That's like me saying like, hey, like my stomach's fucked up. So I've been eating this uh, extremely rigid approach to try to fix all these dietary issues. You as a healthy individual should do it. And then the, the problem is, is and I asked the guy, I'm like, you have any injuries? He's like, oh, my back's lit up. and He's having all these problems. I was like, man, I'm telling you, um, your ability to stay strong uh, is going to be dependent upon your training. But the interesting thing is their mechanism for all, both guys' mechanism for injury all came from some form of heavy rotation. The one guy was like, oh, we were lifting cinder blocks off a trailer onto the ground rotation and I hurt my back. And I'm like, yeah, but don't you go do all this chopping and uh, rotational work with like three pound med balls? He's like, well, yeah, those cinder blocks aren't three fucking pounds. Might as well be. And I was like, ah, like that becomes a really interesting Uh observation. But the idea of metabolic flexibility and um, I think what I kind of imagined it was going to be like a Rosetta Stone. And as I just dug into it, dug into it, dug into it, I realized that it's just it's kind of something like you are or you aren't. And the determining factor is lean body mass and body fat and how big your aerobic base is. So how, how I want to go to aerobic base. How do you think a guy or a gal could measure their aerobic base, right? And, and is there the tools like a rower, an erg, yeah. right? An erg or a bike would be a great, a great opportunity. Would that be like a 30-minute sustained pace at like a certain heart rate? Yeah. So what I found, um, and... I'm sure somebody listening to this will fucking pull up the research and prove me wrong on this. But the way that I personally did it, and this was just for me, is uh, I would put on a heart rate monitor and I would look for that like, you know, 70 to 75% kind of heart rate zone. And I would get in and I would kind of monitor and say, all right, like how, like, let's say I jump on the assault bike or the echo or whatever it is. And I ride at like uh, 65 to 70 RPMs, right? Which is like a pretty good pace, right? Um, as I ride at that point, I would look to see how long it took me to get my heart rate up to that point. So when I first started doing it, it would take like three to five minutes for me to get my heart rate up. Towards the end of it, it would take me anywhere from like 10 to 12 minutes, maybe mm-hmm. even 15 minutes to get my heart rate up. So what I found was that I could ride at that, you know, a uh, certain RPM and then it took, then I had to bump it up and ride hard. And I got to the point where I was fucking all out sprinting on that thing just to try to get my heart rate up to that zone that I needed to get to. Uh-huh. And once I got into that zone, man, like I just had a longer sustained effort at that zone. So, uh, what I was able to do in 20 minutes, cause I didn't start the, um, I didn't start the aerobic work until I hit my heart rate zone. Right. So they said, Hey, ride for 20 minutes at a heart rate of 70, 75%. So it took me like anywhere from 10 to 15 minutes riding my fucking ass off. That was when we stepped to the, the, um, the step mills Mm -hmm. because the step mill, like I could just speed it up and I was running up that fucking thing. Yeah. And it would take me like five to seven minutes to get my heart rate up opposed from the 15 that was taking me on the other thing. So I think, um, and there was really no measuring on this other than like I would, you know, I had the clock on, I had the, the strap on and I would look and say, all right, I'm going to ride at 70 RPMs. I'm going to see how long it takes me to get to my zone. And then I'm going to try to stay in that zone for X amount of minutes. And I just got to the point towards the end of that 22 weeks where like there was no fucking way that I was able to get my heart rate mm-hmm. uh, to that point really quickly. And, and, I, think, I, and so, I just figured that was a good indicator of creating a, a large aerobic base. I mean, the, the company <laughs> is called Power Athlete. So the aerobic side of our training hasn't really taken... Uh, like we haven't really analyzed it too much, right? But and getting to like when we talk well, about it's because a base. I always thought it was bullshit. I uh, I believe that right. if if you lifted heavy weights and you had a good glycolytic capacity, that you could just make up the aerobic side. 
And so I paid it no mind until, um, you know, we started, I started using Joel Jameson's heart rate variability. Uh, I started looking at the Omega wave and all these other fucking deal. But the biggest one was when we did 22 Jack Street is I threw in the aerobic work because I was reading all that um, aerobic based stuff at that point. It's like four years ago. And I was like, man, there's no way this makes sense. But then when I started talking to like John Meadows and some of the bodybuilder guys, um, they made an interesting point that as they got in more contest shape and they got slower and like, you know, started doing more aerobic work that all of a sudden their strength started going up. Mm -hmm. So, and the point is when we talk about strength and power, we have, we have coined a base level of strength, right? And it's a, it's an individualized level of strength that's achieved through a, a very specific progression a little bit. I think we're going to talk about later, but for the most part, if you're a dude and you can squat double body weight, bench 1.5 body weight, vertical press body weight, deadlift 2.5 times body weight. And these are like very round numbers, guys, give or take 25%. Like you're pretty strong, right? Oh, if, if you can squat two times body weight, I put you in the uh, 0.01% of the population. Okay, so yeah, I'm, so I'm with you. And how many people do you think? Like, so so let's say there's 330 million people in this country. Does that sound about right? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Let, yeah. Look it up, Tex. See how many people are in this country. But I'm, this goes back to what Cal Dietz was talking about months ago. He's like, if you can bench 315, you're in the top 10 percent of bench press in the world. In the world, yeah. Which is an interesting way to look at it. Well, yeah. I mean, so so there's 320. Okay, so 330 million people. One percent is. Nobody three, knows. Sorry, 3 million. Yeah, 3 million. Right, so 3 million people is 1%. Do you think there's 3 million people in this country that can squat two times body weight? Uh, adult, so this is also infant and elderly population, right? So if we I wash imagine. that out, if we say able-bodied 18 to 36, mm. 18 to 40? Yeah, yeah, put in, yeah, 18 to 45. We're Googling people. It's got some chart. Text doesn't know what that means. His head just exploded. <laughs> yeah, 18 to 45. <laughs> So in the 2010 75 census... 75 mil. Okay, so 75 okay. mil. And this is in 2010, so acknowledge that that's probably... That's probably Se up so to 100. Okay, so call it 100. Pause. Sure. That's under 18. I'm a bad reader. Working age population 18, 18 to, 44. to 44 is 113 million as of 2010. Okay, round number is right. 100. Let's okay. just still go 100. Well, let's go... Okay, well, let's let's bump it up to like 150. Or like, okay, so... 150. 150. All right, so 1% of that is going to be 1.5 million. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So do we believe that there's 1.5 million people in this country can squat two times body weight? No. How many high school football players are there? I, I bet you there's 3, 3 million. million. There's yeah, 3, 3 million. million high school football players. Okay. How many in the U.S.? Three We're Googling people. We're Googling 28 million boys played their high schools. All right. So think about like CrossFitters. I mean, I wouldn't say there's 1%. Your, I, so I, your I, population of the country as a whole, I think, this is going to be a bold fucking bold statement. Are you ready? Walk in to McDonald's. I was going to say the airport, but. Oh, that's a good one. No, no, no. I'm going to say walk into McDonald's at dinner time. And that is a rec representation of the distribution. When was the last time you were at McDonald's during dinner time? Never. 
Well, no, that's that's not I true. Think the either. last time I was at McDonald's around dinner time was I went there with DJ when we were on a road trip to go pick up a truck, and DJ's like, "Hey, let's get a burger," and I'm like, "I'm not eating at McDonald's." He's like, "Well, let me get a burger, and you can fucking watch me eat it." And I'm like, uh-huh. "Fine, I'll gladly do so, that." So, but think of that population. I think that's the U.S. population. That's that. And, that and, and it was all. And it was D- DJ walked in. And I was like, "DJ, this is where all your people meet." <laughs> I was like, I was like, I didn't know all your relatives came here and ate dinner. But was there like that one fit guy, like or no. like at least able bodied? No. So that's that's my point. Everyone's we are in our own little echo chamber of power athletes who are doing what they need to do to be useful. Okay. What, so why can't the airport represent it? Because there's fit people sprinkled, but it's still. Do we have okay? Text, uh, do, do, who has? Dude, just, I can't even start. So so when we were flying from uh, Austin uh, before Christmas to uh, Florida for my shoulder surgery uh it was really interesting seeing like the people that were going to florida from texas like before (laughs) christmas yeah and uh it was so my problem with the the airport selection is air travel is relatively expensive right so who who is the demographic people typically traveling hot chicks like Insta, mostly Insta famous people. Yeah, mostly like hot chicks on Instagram are the ones that travel. No, it's folks with like with expendable income to go travel, and those folks likely have time to potentially exercise. Really, like disposable income to travel? You mean to like Naperville? Sure. Yeah, anywhere <laughs> to buy to buy a seven hundred dollar round yeah. trip ticket. Yeah. Right. Just wait until your little girl turns two years old in one day. Uh, guess or what? Three years old, and then you have to pay for her own ticket. No, 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 no. I've already decided we're we're a road trip family. <laughs> I uh, I so uh, I want to control the trip. You know what I mean? Like I want to control the trip because we got on the way home. We had to land in Houston because the captain's oxygen mask didn't work, and we had timed everything. Like you know, we had a plan to time everything for the baby to nurse and nap, and, and it worked out perfectly. But then this delay triggered a meltdown, mm. and like the the I think the. Out, atmospheric pressure oh, and the ear popping. The she figured it out. She figured out she didn't like it. And then it was like on. Uh, like, hey, if this guy, we would have been fine. We would have been fine if this guy just landed. So uh, uh, they found that the sucking motion ends up clearing the ears. Yep. yep. Uh, so that's pretty good um, with the sucking motion. So like uh, um, obviously like uh, breastfeeding mm-hmm. or a bottle yep, or that's a, what we um, did. suckers. But then she like we did that and then she wasn't interested because we wasted it. You know what I mean? Because she's not, it's not like she just takes pacifier or the nip anymore. She's like, it's, she wants to see what's going on. Mm. Oh, she woke up. Yeah. So she's yeah. up and uh, she's typically pretty good. And we usually get her latched on during the takeoff and landing. But like, like we wasted it. We wasted the good latch on the emergency landing. Oh. And then the, le- like the 40 minutes home was a little and then spicy. And then the best is uh, as the baby's screaming and as you're trying to calm her down, people are giving you dirty looks uh-huh. and you're like, nobody wants this less than you is or like yeah i don't like i'm the only person that wants this less than you do like yeah. the fact that you're giving me dirty looks and so like i remember before i had kids i'd like see these people be like, what's wrong with these fucking parents like kids are fucking crying and then i've been that parent where the, all the kids are melting down and people are giving you dirty looks no one wants this kid to shut up and, more than i do yeah okay and, as and, much uh, as you guys think yeah. you do and I'm the so guy. uh yeah. one time i was getting on a plane and this lady came on with uh with with twins and as she walked by, she started handing these cards to all the people like within the area. And she finally gets me and hands me the card and is like, hi, like I'm uh, I'm four years or I'm sorry, I'm uh, so and so. And we're four months old and this is our plane, first plane flight. Just know um, we might cry and things are getting bad. But this lady like gave us these like little notes that were from the kids and like handed them out to everybody. And I was like, 
as I'm reading it and I was like, I got kids, don't worry about it. And she's like, oh, thank you. And um, sure enough, man, it was uh, it was funny. But the only people that were giving her fucking dirty looks as those kids started crying were fucking grandparents. Mm -hmm. uh, the flight That's attendants. Maybe they, the grandparents forget what it was like to be the parent of an infant, yeah. right? And, uh, and, and the lady's like, is this okay? And they're like trying to, I'm like, I got twins. I got three kids. Don't worry about it. Let them cry. I got headphones on. And if you get on an airplane and you don't have headphones, that's fucking Shame you. on you. Shame on you. Bring them. Like you have to because people are going to be like, uh, like there's so many times where I've been like, thank God I have headphones. Even if I'm not listening to anything, I'll still put them on and pretend like I can't hear anything. So to make things work, worse, John, I, I was second day into being sick. So I had a crying baby. I'm sneezing. I'm coughing. I'm sniffling. Like people had, I was the person I truly hate. And I don't mind, I never minded the baby stuff because I, I, I don't know if I maybe talking to you about your travels, like these babies don't know, like, yeah. and there's no way to communicate. So, but point being, it's not a valid representation of the 18 to 44 demographic is what I'm saying. I think McDonald's is. Okay. So to go back, would we say it's fair to say that 0.5% of the population in America could probably squat? I still think that's generous. Okay. So do you think I think that's the percent of the population who use the barbell <laughs> at the gym? What do you think about that? Okay. Uh, so and you, of so that 0. 0.5, 10%. I bet you more than 1% of the population goes to the, goes to the gym and lifts weights in some manner. That the 18 to 44? A, a barbell. Okay. Well, Peloton's blowing that out of the water. Oh, yeah. No, they're fucking crushing it. Mm-hmm. Point being, so going all the way back, these numbers are totally irrelevant to the conversation. But in our eyes, in the world of power athlete, if we were to meet a dude on the street, one of these dads rolls in and he's and they're like, huh, he's got traps. They're like, oh man, you lift with some weights? Yeah, well, yeah. You know, and he, he lifts off, he re reads his numbers off, his total, proverbial total. And it's those numbers. You're like, oh, this guy's pretty strong. Like, that's a lot of work you got. That's, that's at least a year straight of training to get uh, there. Yeah, I mean, you got to have some serious fucking reps underneath your belt for a two times bodyweight back squat. So let's even ratchet it down to 1.5 yeah. bodyweight back squat. Two times bodyweight deadlift. 1x bodyweight press. And then 1.25 press and bench. Fuck, I don't think a lot of people can press their bodyweight. Can you? Me? Yeah. Yeah. Depends on the... Well, good thing. We day. have this barbell right here. That's exactly your body weight. <laughs> Press it. <laughs> no. uh, so here's my whole point. This is a, a big, long, elaborate... So we have a rough... Hey, that's pretty strong. That's pretty powerful. That's pretty fast. But what's pretty aerobic? Is it a mile run? Um, oh, I'm in. Is, um, it, is it airdyne? Yeah, I mean, uh, the reason we do a lot of the airdyne testing, mm -hmm. uh, you know, max calories in 300 minutes. But uh, like uh, the problem comes down to 300 eight, minutes or sorry, 300 calories oh, in, in minutes. Okay. <laughs> but I think a lot of that gets kind of glycolytic. Um, uh -huh. Like the aerobic deal is pretty interesting because uh, and I and I remember one time reading a long time ago where somebody was like, well, how do I know if I'm if I'm aerobic or how do I know? And, right. and uh, the biggest one was like, when you're doing it, you should be able to have conversation. a conversation. If you get to the point where, like, you know, and when we do the 300 calories for time on the on the aerodyne, I can't remember having a conversation other than no like, way, yeah. oh fuck. So I don't know if that's aerobic. Um, you know, if you looked at, but I think the aerobic phase would have to come within uh, checking heart rates. Yeah. So if your heart rate was in that 70, 75 percent, um, 
And someone out there probably knows this. I mean, I know we're not like reinventing the wheel on the, the proverbial aerobic weight, uh, aerobic based testing. Like what's a, yeah, I'm, I'm sure there is, uh, and I'm probably mm-hmm. go up and figure it out right now. You probably do like, you probably understand what your, your maximal threshold is for like a 10 minute or five minute burst. And then you do some percentage of that to deter- or to determine well, what percentage of that is your lowest heart rate, how uh, quick it takes to get there, how quick it takes to recover from that heart yeah, rate. Yeah. And those, those are like the three variables to determine aerobic base. Uh, I think the aerobic base comes from the recovery aspect. Mm-hmm. Like, um, it just was really interesting to me that as my aerobic base and my body fat went down and I got in better shape, all of a sudden as I'm on this thing, man, it was like, I was fucking killing myself to try to get my uh, heart rate up to the, um, the required level before it would like get there really fast. And I could just stay in there and I'd be done in like 22 minutes. Yeah. I all of a sudden got to the point where I was like 45 fucking minutes into this thing. And I'm like, uh-huh. I'm fighting to keep my heart rate up. Yeah. I was able to get it, but just tie my shoes. Well, yeah. yeah. And so, uh, and then, and then, I, and then I remember we, um, uh, Kate was like, Hey, let's, uh, we, we took the kids on some hike and, uh, I remember we were like hiking and like fucking like as I was walking, Kate's like, how you feeling? I'm like, fine. I feel like I could do this all day. Right. And, uh, and then, you know, like it just, it was a way different experience. So, uh, I think that there is probably like a, like a proper dose. And I think we figured out within like Jack street and field strong and grindstone and hammer and all these programs of like somewhere around, you know, two to three days a week of some aerobic work. I know on some of the other programs, we throw it in less and we throw it in more, but somewhere for me personally, it's around that three, three days a week. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting too, is like how, when we were talking to Cal Dietz, one of the podcasts previously, his approach at aerobic work wasn't one of these machines. He would just, it would be heart rate based. Be, 50%. Yeah. At like 50 to 60% of one RMs hitting them singles and doubles right on bench and squat. And he's like, you know, cause the aerobic is, you know, it doesn't have the structure and motion that you're using, it can be totally varied, yeah. right? We just traditionally use like some sort of Metcon style uh, to get that heart rate up or one of the fixed fan or chain machines, right? Aero, it's, it's, Aero it's, it's because, I mean, but we do it with uh, PMAC and we do it with sure. metabolic conditioning cycles. But those are that's gly- glycolytic predominantly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But you need an aerobic system to yeah, be so able you're to have blending those two. Yeah, to be able to recover the time in between. I mean, that's all you know, uh, lactate and, and glycolytic base. But there has to be a decent aerobic system just for the recovery aspect. Mm-hmm. How do we get here? What were we talking? Oh, metabolic flexibility. Mm-hmm. Well, that was a pretty interesting sidebar. That was the intro, folks. <laughs> but um, just to go fa- finish up, um, what I found was interesting with the metabolic flexibility is when you Google it, there's all these uh, different gurus talking about here is dietary approaches to fix metabolic flexibility or to create metabolic flexibility. And what they don't talk about is what if you're already metabolically flexible, right? Like you're reading this, like everybody's just like, well, maybe I'm metabolically flexible. Maybe I should be doing this. And the problem that they didn't give is that there was no stake in the ground for what defines or how do you know if you're metabolically inflexible or or flexible. Uh And the idea is like, well, if you can use fat as an energy source and then transition to using glycogen for an energy source, so you can transition between fat and carbohydrates, uh, opposed from just being a sugar burner, then, uh, then you're metabolically flexible. Now, how do you test that? Well, you have to use, um, you know, you can, uh, you know, post-workout, post-eating, you know, uh, glucose testing. But the interesting thing, and when I talked to Rob Wolf about it, he's like, you know, even if you are metabolically flexible, it does not make sense to continue to pressure test it. 
Like, for example, if you're metabolically flexible and you go out and you eat a diet of nothing but fucking beans and rice and like corn, uh, um, like corn tortillas, and you do that three days a week every day for, or sorry, three times a day every day for fucking weeks, um, and you effectively are pressure testing it, it's, it's not going to benefit and you're going to end up having fucking problems. And I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, okay, so if you're eating that way and you're constantly in this fucking, you know, huge, uh, you know, glucose bolus and you're fucking going up, like, yeah, you're going to put on body fat and you're going to fucking not be feeling as well. Mm-hmm. And so Rob's deal is like, you know, metabolic flexibility is ideal, but you don't want to pressure test it every day. So right. I thought that was an interesting point. Yeah, my, uh, I think we could test for it. What's jar of peanut butter per time? What? And then dope. you got to do lactic acid threshold testing. <laughs> but if you can keep how it about, down. How about a gallon of milk and then 300 calories for time? And a white claw beer bong. <laughs> claw bong. Yeah. It, any order or? Yeah. Uh, so we do. Amrap. So we do 50 calories fast as you can and then you drink a quart of milk. 50 calories, quart of, because four <laughs> quarts in a gallon, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'd do it. Of eggnog. Oh, gosh. What about a beer mile? Beer mile? Yeah, that's uh, metabolic or web base. Yeah. yeah. Flexibility. Oh, yeah. It's all of it. So it, what's your beer on a beer mile, Modelo? 100%. Hmm. Still in it for the taste. I'm more of like, an, uh, uh, what's the rollerblading beer? Um, uh, the Michelob Ultra? Yeah, that's what I am. I'm a roller, I like to rollerblade, so that's what I, uh, that's my beer. You, you're not? Nick Ultra? <sighs> I got a sixer. You want to split a sixer? No. <laughs> no. Should we talk some questions? Yeah, let's hit it. We have a question related to this in energy system and conditioning. The so, globe Ultra? Uh, yeah. This one is for John. How Zach you, meets world. <clears throat> how do you program training energy systems concurrently without the recovery for each system conflicting with each other? Well, just to help our buddy Zach Meets World, um, nothing exists in a vacuum, and there isn't ever going to be a point where you're developing one energy system independent of the other. And that comes down to our concurrent training model, which is different than what you see in classical periodization or where you see like uh, the NSCA or NSAM talk about coming in and building an aerobic base. And then once you build that, you got to develop your strength and then you got to develop your glycolytic and then the block periodization idea of like developing energy systems. What we found is that you can use a concurrent training model. Uh, where you're developing both, um, you know, high threshold ATP, you can develop glycolytic and you can develop aerobic as long as you understand how to structure them within the workout. Mm -hmm. So what we tend to do is we tend to front load all the strength work. And then when we, and then if we're doing glycolytic, any type of like accessory work or whatever it looks like, that's usually done, uh, with either with a lighter load and that's done paired up on the backside of it. Um, and then if you see any type of aerobic work, that's usually done independent. So um, I don't really do a ton of aerobic work uh, with lifting weights if we do it maybe a little bit before. But for the most part, I think, um, one, you're not as fragile as you think. Two, the idea that you can develop energy systems uh, in a vacuum is completely fucking false. And the feeling that like, uh, you know, where was it? Let me look at the guy's question again. It's oh, highlighted. No, 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 it's no, not. Right. He highlighted I, oh, sorry, another one, which is funny because I went back to read it and I was like, fuck. Sorry. 
And to look, if you the if you were to think of energy systems like a band, like a Peter Frampton song, well, you got the guitar solo, you got the drummer maintaining like the tempo, and then you maybe have the bass line still running the bass line, but you may have a guitar solo like. Well, well, but but it's but, not like the drums shut off and but the bass think, shuts off. But think about this, right? Like, uh, um, what's going to dictate my recovery in between in between sets? Like, let's say I'm squatting heavy and I need like, uh, you know, and my aerobic base is so shitty that it takes me 10 minutes to recover between each set. Then you know what? How much work am I able to get done? But if I can have a pretty good aerobic base, it allows mm-hmm. my strength workout to be beneficial. I can I can be able to hit and keep rest sets down so I can technically get more work. And then on top of it. Uh, but it would buy. So that training session, let's say there's two individuals, John, big aerobic base, Luke, not so much. You're able to get. A, it's the same movement, it's the same stimulus, but your training response, because of your aerobic base, is more biased towards strength, right? Yeah. Mine, if we were to have the same set rest periods, I wouldn't be able to hit an intensity to drive strength as much, so I'd ha- it would be like an aerobic response to that training. Well, I mean, it goes back to you know Louis Simmons, and if you want to look at Louis' deal with GPP, there was the idea of raising general physical preparedness as a means for not only recovery, but being able to get more volume of work in terms of your right. strength. That if you're so physically out of shape that you could maybe squat one single every fucking seven days. Um, I think what's, uh, what's kind of been kind of bastardized a little bit with uh, the CrossFit stuff was this idea that, you know, there was 10 elements of fitness and strength was just another element of fitness, which we found did not be true. Strength is a platform which everything's built on. But I think... Um, Dr. Beards, or uh, is it Chris Beardsley? He's got an Instagram deal. Um, I remember uh, Paul Carter forwarded me this deal where he talked about uh, muscle confusion is the single worst thing you can do for your muscles. Now, what you have to like, if you want to confuse your muscles, there is no benefit to this. That, like, you need to lift weights, you need to be able to good, be strong in these movement patterns. The idea of, like, hey, for legs today, I'm going to squat, and then tomorrow I'm going to do leg press, and then tomorrow I'm going to do leg extensions. And you're constantly varying all the different movements. It doesn't really benefit you. And then, of course, people were like, well, what about the conjugate system? I'm like, they're still squatting. They're just using different implements for the same pattern. Right. You need to be as strong as possible in that pattern. What muscle confusion does is it allows variability, which keeps everything interesting, which allows greater adherence. Because certain people just can't go in and do the same stuff over and over again. So his deal was like, when you lift weights, don't confuse your muscles. If you want to add in some conditioning stuff with different movements that are very, that are, you know, different implements, very similar to this, it becomes beneficial for just your body's ability to stay motivated. Mm -hmm. So, um, I think, uh, you can, and we've proved that you can train multiple energy systems in the same time periods. Now, I wouldn't say that like, hey, I'm going to develop maximal strength and a fucking massive, uh, you know, aerobic output so I can, you know, fucking ride the Tour de France and also squat a thousand pounds. Like that's, you know, obviously, you know, kind of crazy. But I remember years ago, Glassman said, one day we'll find somebody that can deadlift 600 and run a sub six minute mile. Mm -hmm. And uh, people thought it was impossible. And I think there are, I mean, and it was actually not a CrossFitter that did it. It was at uh, Alex, uh, began with a V, I forgot. He was uh, a triathlete that was also a powerlifter, and he ran a sub-six-minute mile and had like a 700-pound deadlift. So, I mean, there's always going to be outliers out there that are able to do these things. But I think um, I think classical periodization in terms of developing these energy systems independent of each other is fucking old hat, man. You're behind the curve if you're thinking that shit works. I mean, it works. It's hard to say it doesn't work. 
but is there a better way to do it? Well, I, I think that's what we're saying. Years ago when we were, we taught, one of the first seminars we taught in Australia, um, I remember we were going through some programming stuff and there were three guys that were there that were Aussie League rugby players uh, and were probably the most physically jacked white dudes I'd ever seen in my life. Like these dudes came in and I remember the one dude took his shirt off and he had muscles. I was like, I don't even know. I, I know anatomy and I don't know what the muscle that is. And when they, these guys put up their training, they were classical fucking NCA, NCM, uh, develop an aerobic base. And then once somebody has an aerobic base, then we can start building on top of it. And my comment to them is like, why would you waste time? Like if strength takes a, yeah. a, a lifetime to build, why would you fucking have somebody go out and jog and try to build the 70% aerobic base before you put them under a barbell? And they were like, well, that's the base of the pyramid and this. And I'm like, yeah, but like you guys are looking at this thing like a pyramid. Look at it in terms of pillars. Uh, like EQ, where you like tune up the EQ. You know, if somebody's not recovering in, be in between sets, they probably need to raise their GPP. If somebody's, uh, you know, having these glaring weaknesses, there's different accessory movements they can. Uh, if somebody's um, glaring weakness is just the fact that they don't have enough movement or enough reps actually doing the movement, right. it makes sense to add more quality type movements in there. And I think from this position and where they were at, like you can't develop this stuff in concert because you're not because uh, you're stacking it on top of each other. So that's when we got kind of, and I'm going to say vertical integration, which is wrong, but based off of that Charlie Francis model where right. he called vertical integration that there were pillars uh, opposed from the classical pyramid. Right, concurrent. Yeah, in a, in a concurrent training model. <clears throat> which, I mean, we see all the time with like the PAP stuff we do. I mean, we use a sure. ton of like French contrast, post-activation, post potentiation type training where we involve doing something heavy and then something dynamic in terms of being able to build that speed. And people are setting PRs every single day thousands of them mm -hmm. yep so french contrast is coming to field strong Ooh. just a heads up yeah well, well there is a french contrast cycle and there's also a uh uh i think it's called um nouveau riche i got another one i, I got multiples mm -hmm. i got a second one it's gonna be pretty good i just dropped the uh yeah i just dropped the finish of the of the nouveau uh for one of my private clients and he fucking loves it what do we got next team money coaching question and John's daughters are still on winter break, so I feel this is a, an appropriate question because a lot of coaches are getting all these athletes from three weeks off. And you know, John, what did your daughters do over Christmas break? Any physical activities? Uh, I would make them go outside. And they had to run up and down the parking lot or up the, the driveway, or they'd have to run up and feed the horses, or they have to do anything. Other than that, they were sitting on the couch watching like the most nonsensical television mouth breathing, watching and, Netflix. And, um, the, here, oh yeah. So, so they love, um, the flash. So they, but they've watched the whole, all the seasons of the flash. So now what they do is they randomly skip around and pick different episodes, which if you're like in the background is super confusing. Uh -huh. And then they got into this show called the legends, which is really pretty awful. So we've been watching that, but, uh, what did they do? Like, uh, couch potato. They yeah. basically like Most I would kids, I, I, I would make them go run around do shit go up to here do there and then they go back and like and I, like I was kind of arguing with my wife a little bit where she's like you know like you know as they're sitting around and I was like yeah but here's the thing if we were their age and we had access to this much TV sure. we would be doing the exact same thing when we turned it on there was like Price is Right oh yeah yeah and like in in the Family middle of feud yeah. Emergency. Get the hell out of here. Yeah, it was like... <laughs> Judge like, Judy. Like, like there were four channels. It all sucked. 
uh, Judge Wapner, the People's Court. Oh, yeah. And then uh, we'd just be like, turn it on, nothing on, and we would Soap just Soap operas? You remember those? Like Murder, She Wrote? No, no, it was like The Young and the Restless. Oh, no, I'm out. Yeah, yeah. Sisters, General Hospital. My sisters were into those. So to our question, to fight all of these Netflix kids sitting off the couch, and they have to get back into training. So bedrock question from T. Maskell. All right, what I would do is... Well, let it, me read the question no. for our listeners the thoughts and considerations as student athletes come back from Christmas break to continue the linear periodization on bedrock. Keep rolling where they left off or consider a reset. Before consider. you get going, give us an intro on bedrock. Bedrock is our foundational program for our beginner athletes. If they're new to the barbell, we put them on bedrock to establish a base level of strength found through a linear progression and sprints. So- so we're adding weight week after week, and we have three phases. We have progress, we have reset, and we have reload, right? Yeah. So meaning if you get to a point where you can't add any more weight, based off certain criteria in the program, you either repeat that, which is a reload, or you reset, which is like kind of like a backtrack, three weeks. Yes, to build up and break through that previous plateau. Right, so that's the premise of the strength progression on bedrock. And people get going back to our double body weight back squat. Okay, maybe that's a little aggressive, 1.5. But like that level of strength, that base level of strength, we use bedrock to achieve that. Yes. So optimal program for high schoolers just getting into the barbell. Mm-hmm. So T. Maskell's applying it. John, what considerations yeah. Sorry, John. do they take to continuing the lit periodization or performing a reset? I would definitely put them in a reset. i just go back three weeks. Just cut 15 pounds or whatever it was to, you know, 20, 30 pounds. Like somewhere, whatever, three weeks ago before uh, they left for Christmas break is probably where I would start them. And one of the biggest fallacies that I've seen in the, the collegiate respect, and John, you can attest to this as well, is 1RMs in April, and then you come back for summer training at June. And you get your percentages and all laid out. You get the percentages it. based off that. Well, um, you know, Chris Morris, uh, his talk at the Power Athlete Symposium this year, I thought was excellent. You know, using you know fluid periodization and this idea of rep maxes, which you know has really been a hallmark of all of our programs for a number of years. Um, ironically, I was one of the guys' comments on uh, was asking about the Hammer program on Train Heroic. Uh, and one of the guys piped in, and he's like, you know, uh, uh, there's it shares a lot of similarities with like. I think he said Johnny Wad, and I kind of laughed being like, well, the power athlete, all power athlete programs follow a very similar model of rep maxes, compensatory acceleration, uh, reps, you know, a higher volume day, and then Drop some form of and, like, yeah, yeah like and, and then there's, you know, some six form le- of primary levers, right? Yeah. So like, it's pretty interesting that like, they're like, oh, the, the strength looks kind of similar. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, there's foundations that this program was built on, you know, 10, 20 years ago that was like, you need to be able to move something heavy fast for rep maxes. And then based off of that rep max, we find a matrix for our compensatory acceleration work. Mm-hmm. And then you got to get some volume in your life with some different movements. And then you got to get back into the primal stuff. And we do a ton of single, you know, unilateral movements. So I think um, for the uh, basic, you know, linear progression in that. I think what I want to do is I want athletes to come back and not only f- get all three sets of five reps at the given weight, but we don't want to put them into something where they come in, they obviously haven't been training, they get shattered, and then we have to do a reset. Yeah, because all of a like sudden, the sprint side of things is still. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I mean, there's other ways to consider. There's other ways to like prove to them like, hey, what you did over the last three weeks wasn't good, more so than crushing them underneath the barbell. For example, what I would do is I would probably take them back three weeks, allow them to get their three sets of five, and then I would kind of increase maybe some of the demands in the conditioning deal. Now, um, we've seen a whole bunch of stuff. I mean, I remember over the years, I think it was Iowa or some of the colleges where those kids got rhabdo. Uh, do you remember that where they were making them do back squats and uh, sled pushes? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the hilarious part was these like parents and people were losing their fucking mind and these kids. I'm like, that was a poor choice on the coach's part. Obviously knowing, but what they told the kids is here's your off season training. This is what you're doing over winter break. We are going to test you the first day you get back to see if you did it. And what happened? The fucking kids, the kids that didn't do it got fucking shattered and they ended up getting rhabdo. And then the kids that, that had trained were fine. And then people were up in arms and fucking these sons of bitches. And I like listened to all these da- all these fucking keyboard warriors be like, if that was my son, I'd drive up there and punch him in the face. And I'd be like, who, the dad or the, co- or the kid or the coach? Because as me as a father, if my kid's playing college football and he comes home for the, uh, for the winter break, first thing I'm going to ask him is, hey, let me see your off-season training manual. All right, when are we starting? Let's go. You're going to make it every workout. You know why? Because the first day back, they're going to fucking throw you on the rocks. And a big part of college and professional sports is called survival. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you got to weather some dumb fucking coaches. Sometimes you got to weather your own stupidity. But I found that if you're strong and in good shape, you're able to weather a lot of shit. So, so I was I was one of those dudes, for what it's worth, and then quick handoff, who's like, this is so irresponsible. Like, And then I read, because you did talk to me, Johnny, on it. I'm like, oh, good point, I guess. Yeah. Well, and, accountability. And then, and then we programmed the workout. Uh, yeah, that was the best part. <laughs> I programmed the workout on CrossFit football, and you know what? Everybody uh, smashed it. No everybody fucking though. smashed it, and everybody was fine. Yeah. Right? It, it was like, it was 225 back squats and 25-yard prowler pushes is what they asked those kids to do. Right. So, T, to put the coaching hat on, we perform that reset in your program, but then I would lean heavy that first week on the warm-up and making it safe suffering. So... Isostability, and for a great example of isostability, Mondays on bedrock, that we lean hard on that coming off of the weekend, and there's a reason behind that is because we know what the youth does on weekends, especially mm-hmm. in high school. So uh, I'd lean hard on the isostability almost as a, a depth check for you and your athletes and what they did if in that session clearly they are, they are fine, they're good to go, they're not suffering in agony like we see sometimes in our block one coaching if eval then hit the linear progression stick to the plan on that reset and then in the conditioning if this isostability was a bunch of suffering and emotional breakdown condo but don't condo hard if they're ready for it hey throw the hammer at them and have some fun what about on the sprint side though any considerations on how you can run intensity on that day yeah i wouldn't i I would not do an intensity sprint on those kids day one back. I would have them go in and I'd do something on the minute, like at a 70, you know, obviously. Well, could you do, instead of, could you do like flyaways? You know, like 20-yard flyaway intensity? Something that's... I would probably have them run hills if we could find some hill to sprint. If if you were going to do an intensity, I'd want them to run a hill because the one thing that happens when people get deconditioned is usually the fucking low back. Mm -hmm. They start, you know, horizon change, then they end up pulling hamstrings. Mm Mm-hmm. And then you can also lean on the the patterning as well. So just the the arms, arm swings, the skips, and built in there is the the trunk and the stability. Yeah. So lots of different options, but bottom line, you want them back for day two. So don't be an asshole. What about day three? Do we care about day three? Uh, that's going to be our tempo run day on Wednesday. Well, depending on how T's running his program, but mm-hmm. what about day four? 
Day four, Burn volume down. run, Burn hell down. yeah. <laughs> what do we got next? Uh, hammer. I feel hammer's a good transition. We got some hammer questions. Hammer. Just met her. Hey, oh, stands for Holistic Athlete Movement Readiness. It's our um, probably like our most rapidly growing program. Yeah. For our uh, LEO firefighters, yeah, law I, enforcement I, firefighters, military personnel, we call it warfighters, and I use warfighters, um, police, and also mil- or police and fire department in there because I mean, dude, they're fighting wars daily. So um, I really get kind of tweaked off this idea of like tactical strength and conditioning. It just I feel like the word tactical and the and for athletes and for military and all that was just not a good representation. And uh, when ended up meeting with Karen Kelly and, uh, you know, she works with uh, uh, Warfighter Research and I thought, man, Warfighter is such a better term because it's more encompassing because, you know, uh, people, you know, even though the war might not be bullets or whatnot, if you're a firefighter, there's definitely a war that you're kicking in in terms of going in and fighting and doing that job. So, oh, dude, wildfires yeah. like it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Which you're seeing in Australia. Australia. It's crazy. So the question, John, from Stephen Seeks, can Ste- you talk Stephen? more? Stephen? Can you talk more about Hammer? Expected outcomes for your other programs are fairly obvious, but what could we expect for, say, 12 weeks of following the Hammer program? Um, Hammer stands for Holistic Athlete Movement Readiness Program. Um, So really the focus of the Hammer program is not only we're going to follow more traditional power athlete templates for strength where we're using rep maxes and some compensatory acceleration, but we're really doing it like uh, not in terms of a concurrent training week, whereas uh, we've been kind of basing them in actually different weeks. But what we've really put a focus on is the idea of like uh, sprinting and also some distance running by building that, you know, that capacity in terms of running. I mean, what we found in the programs uh, was that we didn't really have a dedicated run program. So people were kind of hacking it together. They were using speed kills and some other stuff. Uh, what I wanted to do was develop um, a strength program that mixed that kind of top end strength and started kind of mixing what I call capacity work. And capacity is a little bit different than GPP, a little bit different than the other programs. And that I'm looking to see uh, how much work you're able to do in set time periods. Like, for example, with push-ups, with pull-ups and different movements we do. So there's always going to be strength work and there's going to be capacity. And then uh, on Wednesdays, we have... Um, uh, a ton of trunk work, which is very similar to a lot of the different programs, but normally we're going to have some form of uh, varying distance of sprints before and after. Um, what I found, especially working with the guys from NSW and a lot of the warfighters, is that they had to have multiple, disti- uh, dis- uh, I guess you could say, like multiple distinct efforts. So like, hey, I got to put on something heavy and, and hike five clicks. I got to drop my pack and then I got to run in there and get in the right. fight. And then I got to be able to get the hell out of there. So we started kind of mirroring the programming based off of some of the demands that we had encountered with the different groups. So um, I think the the one thing that we'll find in 12 weeks, if you're going to follow Hammer for three months, is, well, first uh, off, I'm going to jump in. Like, where, first off, where is this guy starting from, right? So yeah. who, where are you starting from? Like, and that's what's, and I say this because I've talked to maybe in the past week, like six or seven different people who were starting Hammer, right? All of which had different starting points. You know, one dude was super strong, needed capacity work. One chick was super, had tons of capacity, but needed to get stronger, Right. So you come in from two different angles, you're going to have different outcomes. But sure. t- John, I'm going to hand it off back. No, no, I mean, that's a great point. Uh, what ideally we would love to do is be able to increase your relative strength. 
uh, make sure that we have enough capacity work so that, uh, you know, if you're asked to do, you know, max push-ups, max pull-ups or something along that, like you understand those demands of working longer than 10 reps or 30 reps that now, hey, there's three minutes for max, uh, four minutes for max pull-ups and that you're able to kind of not only pace, but be able to try to pack as many reps as you can. So let's say I can do 10 and I got to rest and I got to do here opposed from just trying to fucking blow it out the front door. Right. So we're trying to do is, is trying to, uh, raise their capacity to the point where they can start getting a ton of volume. And we've been doing with a ton of body weight stuff and then really mixing in the run stuff. And then, uh, um, I got some funny jokes on Fridays where we do run to the Hills and I kind of put in these different, you know, music videos that, you know, running on empty, running with the devil. There's all these funny ones and I'm mixing songs, but we've been doing varying distance anywhere from, uh, you know, two or three mile repeats out to, out to five miles. And so there'll be very distance running on, uh, on those Fridays. And then usually Saturday is just a heavy, hard capacity work come in and get smoked. Here's something you dropped on the feeds, John, a while back, right? Um, I put a focus on capacity work, not conditioning work. Conditioning to me is high rep volume at submaximal efforts. To build capacity, we need to hammer maximum recoverable volume at near max efforts. Capacity paired with strength and power is what I think our soldiers need to be the most capable versions. Yeah. Right. So I think it's pretty good. Yeah, I guess if this dude like you should expect to get some more volume than you would see on other power athlete programs. I think is like a really concise way to put it, but in ways that are more applicable applicable to the demands of those folks. Yeah. And I've, I've mixed some different movements in, uh, I'm real, um, pretty, uh, pretty geeked, especially on hammer. We've been using a lot of landmine stuff, which I think is really interesting. When I was, um, I remember I was seeing Dr. Bueller in Salt Lake city and I went to go to some gold's gym. And, uh, at the time my right shoulder didn't allow me to back squat. And so I was front squatting and then, uh, started fucking around cause I had all these different, uh, landmines and I was like, man, let me just start doing. So I was doing landmine squats. I was doing landmine thrusters. I was doing landmine fucking like uh, Bulgarian split squat. I mean, I was just finding all these different ways to load it. And I thought it was a really interesting piece where I didn't necessarily have to focus on like the stability aspect. I just had to be, you know, coming out and popping up and blowing it up. And so I thought like, man, if I, if I did something, I, um, and it's, you know, it's, it's easy to set up. It's not hard. Like you don't need special equipment to take a barbell, put it in the corner, yeah. you know, stack some stuff on it. And so I figured, you know what, for people in terms of the capacity work, it might make sense to try to throw something in. And I think it's been good. Yeah, it's kind of like like jammer arms, right? Now, I'm sure they don't have jammer arms, but the nice thing about jammer arms is you just go as hard and as fast as you can, and you try to break them, and you're pretty, typically pretty good. Smoke you. Me, on the other hand, my aerobic base. My do you, do aerobic you guys got a filter on there? Is there a filter on there? No, oh. it's the sunlight. We were in the office at the break. Oh. So John's looking at her, the thumbnail of her post that is super flattering. Tex <laughs> has four chins. I'm doing like... That my my Why bottom is your face lip. is so like you don't have teeth. Yeah, like I'm no, curling my sunrise. I'm curling my bottom lip over my teeth, like I'm the bitter Pitbull? beer face. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. What do we got next? Uh, let's do a quick fun one. Who would win in a street fight? If- What's the reply? Hang on, I need this. Know the reply before I can read it. Okay, so read the reply first. <laughs> I, that, that makes no sense. <laughs> <clears throat> this is from Brent. Van Dam. Ooh, I wonder. Any relation? <laughs> Who would win in a street fight if both fighters were at the peak of their careers? Jean-Claude Van Damme or Bruce Lee? So number one is, like, is, is Van Damme a, a fighter? Like, is he, what, did he compete? I don't know. I'm asking. 
does anyone know? Or is he just like, like is, a, a, a martial artist who got into acting? Uh, I don't know uh, what like his, what is the peak what of his, his fight. Uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know what his fight chops are, but we actually know Bruce Lee. You know, had fight chops. Yeah. So, but have you seen Once Upon a Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Yeah. So I got a new that changed my uh, why because because Quinn Tarantino yeah. allowed <laughs> Bruce Lee to get his ass kicked by Brad Pitt, get thrown into a car door from forty feet away. Yeah, that changed my whole perspective. I'm like Bruce Lee is a fucking faker. I'm lying. I'm lying. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, um, uh, uh, Bru- Bruce, Lee's, uh, Bruce Lee's estate was pretty unhappy with their portrayal. Really? Yeah. I mean, who? Oh, Jesus. Well, because, um, you know, I mean, there's uh, hero worship and they're protecting his image. And, I guess. You know, and I, that. Yeah. But I mean, you know, like uh, I thought it would. Uh, Van Damme. Yep. Legitimate kickboxing? Cool. Yeah. Legitimate competitive karate career. Born in 60. Holy cow. So he's a karate specialist. Uh, well, he's multiple. So we have karate. So he mixes Taekwondo, his martial Muay Thai, arts. Kickboxing. You get it? Yeah, fuck it. You don't get it. Okay, so. He's the original MMA, yeah. That's right. I got, I'm going to go with, I guess, bias, Bruce Lee bias. Yeah. I'm going with the Bruce Lee bias. Tex, what are your thoughts? Uh, I imagine both of them had it in their contracts as actors. They will never lose a fight. So what they should have done is The Rock and uh, who's your boy, Toretto? They should have had similar experience, put pit them against well, each other. Uh, I know you guys are probably too young to remember this, but uh, they had Steven, or Arsenio Hall had Steven Seagal on. Do you remember this? I might no. keep going. I so, might. so Arsenio Hall years ago. I mean, this is fucking like Arsenio yeah, we, Hall. Because we watch. I used to watch Arsenio right? Hall, and he had oh, Steven oh, Seagal oh, on, oh, oh, and, and I love he Steven asked Steven Seagal about Van Damme and some of the other, you know, martial artists. Yes, in I'll remember in this. Yeah. And fucking yeah. Seagal basically rat based him. Right? Oh yeah, rat fucked him as a as a fake martial artist. Which is funny because, you know, that's Andy Stump's whole deal now is hunting down Steven Seagal <laughs> and fucking lambasting him as tactical asshole. But, oh, yeah, here it oh, is. Oh, it exists. Yeah, no, I, re- I do remember this. In 91. I, know, I remember watching it with my dad, too. Yeah, I was. And being like, because I was a kid and, like, those guys were my heroes. And God, Steven look at Seagal. Arsenio Hall with that leather jacket. God, oh, my this God. This is a 15-minute interview. Like, yeah, there's, it, it, it's, I mean, we don't have to watch it, but there is an uh, interesting deal where he basically just... Calls these dudes out and kind of <laughs> master of bullshit. <laughs> oh, yes. shit. A slow, deliberate, passive-aggressive, Steve- sociopathic tone. Steven Seagal set the record straight with another line. <laughs> you know, I, I finally figured out where Nate Dog has gotten his entire... YouTube life, comments? Uh, well, no, uh, he's been modeling Steven Seagal. Hmm. Like 1990 Steven Seagal. Huh. We're just a lot of like esoteric, you know... You know, these clandestine quips and just lots of, you know, just interesting Lots stuff. of slow, so Metabolic inflexibility. Um, okay, so you're ta- I'm taking Bruce Lee bias. You're taking Bruce Lee bias? Yeah, I'm not. A, I, 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 I have a hard time imagining Van Damme whooping anybody's ass. I think he could. Have you seen the man dance? I will just play devil's advocate. I'll go Van Damme strictly on... Street Fighter alone. What about a dance-off, more importantly? Uh, well, then that's Van Damme. You think uh, Bruce Lee can dance? I think, I think Bruce Lee's Google got it. moves. Let's text Google it. Can, can Bruce Lee dance? Bruce Lee dance moves. So people were Googling this on a computer. Bruce Lee is known for his impressive moves. His high kicks, 
devastating punches and quick leg work. Oh, that's oh, his early training in Latin dance. <laughs> Shoot. Thank you for the grace and the poise of martial arts. So Bruce Lee, incredible dancer. But as good of a dancer as Jean-Claude Van Damme? This site claims pre- early training in Latin dance is to thank for the grace and poise of his martial arts style. Where were you 10 seconds ago when John literally just said that? Reading it, that line. <laughs> <laughs> hey, wait a minute. This site says that he owes his whole martial arts career no. to early training in Latin dance. I've heard it three times. <laughs> it's permanently imprinted. <laughs> Sorry, McQuilkin. But why male models? He became the king of the cha-cha. I just, I think, I'm, I think Van Damme's a better dancer. <sighs> We're scrolling through a blog posts, some pretty sweet pics, Bruce Lee, Humble All Beginnings. Right. Yeah, let's get out of here. Qu- next question, McQuilkin. Oh, follow-up question. Oh, no, that's movie characters. Pass. Scrolling. Here's a specific question for this man's deadlift. You may be at a plateau here. To incorporate the isometric contraction most effectively in the deadlift, where do you recommend setting up the pause? I tried pausing at the knees on the descent, but that didn't feel like the best use of ISO. Um, okay, so why, okay, so what would be your reasoning for incorporating different pauses into it? Is it because you're trying to fix... Get, speci- get a better deadlift. Let's, well, just, but, let's assume we're trying to get stronger. So um, I've seen people incorporate some like uh, isometric contractions into the deadlift, but normally when you do it, you do it in terms of like lengthening a muscle. So imagine like you start at the top and then you load into it like into yeah. an RDL and then you hold the bottom, you know, a la like a uh, triphasic. But um, actually putting in predetermined pauses, which I've seen people do off the ground for the deadlift, but uh, I don't know if like I would design an entire training system or, or like cycle around that. If I was observing weaknesses in my deadlift from certain points, uh, I would tend to set up blocks that would allow me to kind of bias those. Like for example, if I had problems cracking the bar off the ground, we usually use deficit deadlifts. If lockout is my problem, then we get into rack pulls from different varying heights from like mid shin, below the knee, top of the knee. Mm-hmm. So what we found was that, um, you know, for a lot of like the max effort work, especially in like some of the, the uh, our programs, um, that like, hey, when we got up to, you know, within the cycle to do heavy singles, um, I like to use rack pulls from different varying heights because it allows you to overload and, you know, you don't have to necessarily go around your knees as much. Mm-hmm. And so, you, you know, we can also uh, use a little... Uh, higher volume and maybe not as much beat up and you can handle heavy deal, which um, puts, you know, a lot of stress in the hands. But in terms of like putting in like where you're going like concentric to eccentric, like pre set pauses where you pull the ground off and then you stop count for a second and pull, I think is to train uh, people that are effectively like maybe having sticking points. Mm -hmm. So like, Hey, every time I, I go pull off the ground, uh, I get stuck at this point and then I have to readjust. So then I think what you're doing is you're building in that pattern, which I don't know if I would do. Um, if it, well, could you, if what, you want to put isometric contractions into a deadlift, I, I normally would do those loading in from the very top. Like, like if you pulled it to the very top right. and then you wanted to go down and eccentrically load into that position and then hold and then go back up, that right. would be good. And then, but in terms of the training response there, okay, so l- fixing a deadlift, there's other tools, but the isometric hold, there's a clear tr- like trunk training. 
Mm-hmm. So like if, you, if you're trying to just smoke somebody's trunk, that might be a, a tool you could use. Um, going into the triphasic, if you're doing an isometric cycle, does that help with like vascular, uh, like any sort of vascular adaptation yeah, as yeah, well? Yeah, but uh, if you look at the way all the triphasic's done, especially on the isometrics, with a deadlift, it's always uh, done uh, in from an eccentric load. So like they did it with like trap bars, and, and I know yeah. Cal's done it. We've done it with the RDLs, where you start at the top, and then you eccentrically load into the position, and then you stand up. Right. Um, doing it like as a concentric into an eccentric, I don't know if that follows the same yeah. movement pattern. I'm tracking. Yeah. Anywho, I think asked and answered. Mm-hmm. Got another one? Yeah, let's... Dive into nutrition a little bit. So this is from Sailor Bobby, who is currently deployed. Ahoy, hoy. How do you incorporate accurate macros and workouts on a consistently swinging schedule of deployment? Swinging? Groovy, baby. Let's watch some powers. Okay, I don't know. I mean, you just kind of do it. Like, I think... <laughs> I, I like, I mean, uh, to accurately do macros, you're going to have to weigh and measure your food. I mean, like, hey, I know that if I have, you know, 10 ounces of ground buffalo, I'm roughly going to get 52 grams of protein. I mean, okay. go you back, know, I, back to uh, like, I don't, I don't know. How to incorporate accurate macros and workouts on a constantly swinging schedule deployed question mark. I think what you have to do is you have to you use... You have to plan. Well, like, you, well, you have to plan, but I think what you use is um, use... Um, um, accurate macros. Like binary, zero or one. And then what you do is you just chart a whole bunch of zeros and ones. So zero is a swing, one is a non-swing. And then what you do is you just go zero, one, zero, one, and then you put it on a piece of paper, put it on the wall, and then you see the pattern like Neo in the Matrix. Possibly. I was going to suggest following the training program a week behind so you can almost get ahead of it and then make any adjustments on your daily schedule to the training and then reverse engineer the diet based off the training and then your schedule here's a here's a thought break out of the 24-hour paradigm and go to a rolling 72-hour paradigm right so instead of trying to get bear with me john and throw it back at me if you want let's say he's trying to get 2400 calories a day Right? How about getting what's twenty four hundred times three? Forty eight, fifty, sixty two? Nobody knows. Seventy two? Seventy two hundred calories over three days. And just get two like whatever the volume is in those three days of training, which is realistically two days in three days. You know what I mean? How, like how many calories did you say? Twenty eight hundred? Twenty four hundred. Oh, twenty four hundred. Yeah. Okay. Seventy two. Twenty four forty eight. Yeah, seventy two. Yeah, seventy two hundred. And you know, instead of freaking out. Well, on like the daily matrix, blow it out is, into a three-day rolling. Is he talking about like a swing schedule, like a night schedule, like uh, like nighttime morning? I don't know. We don't have enough information. But he, even with that, right? Yeah. I think if you just stop freaking out on a daily matrix and try to encapsulate a three-day or a four-day, and this goes back to, and maybe we were well, recording. It's like the grindstone. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's like, like, what I'm trying to like get. Is like get a flex like, in there, but rather than saying, oh, you know what? I was inconsistent on three days out of this week. Well, put in a three-day window and then work in that f- parameter. Uh, could that work? Like mm-hmm. I'm thinking kind of like the sleep bank. Remember how yeah. we used to say across seven days, we, you, you want to average eight hours a night if you can. If you can make up in other days, do it. Sure. I think that's the next best thing in this scenario is just take a three-day or five-day block. And as long as you're getting that body of work done in the block, which Grindstone ultimately does that with a seven-day rolling block, it says, hey, you need to get these lifts 
this conditioning, this aerobic work done, and ideally here in this priority, then you're doing pretty good. So, and I think you could do that same with the macros, right? Makes sense to me. We got a question from Hoff Rossman. He's alive. He did it. Best solution for tennis elbow and bicep tendonitis. Has been, been nagging pain for six months and now is becoming more persistent. Yeah, he's on Jack Street, and I saw him on the feed asking a little bit. I think... Who, who answered that up for him? Um, but this is tricky, because I know this... This I, was, I thought I had bicep tendonitis, and it was my neck. Oh, so uh, yours was over like, it was at like the a insertion? Scaling, yeah, yeah, it was like a scaling deal. Well, um, normally when t- with tendonitis, and I know this is kind of hard, but... Um, the easiest thing to do is you have to let it calm down. So whatever you have to do, if you got to take some Tylenol, some Aleve, um, you know, ice, whatever it needs to do, like you need to let the tendon calm down. It's kind of like uh, if your girlfriend or wife is irritated, asking her why she's irritated and continue to poke the bear. Is what you're supposed to do. Yeah, yeah. That okay. doesn't <laughs> bode well for anybody. So what you have to do is you have to take a step away. And so you have to find some ways that don't light it up. Like, for example, a lot of times we see with bicep tendonitis, uh, and like some of those issues comes from grip. So maybe, uh, um, using a strap or maybe just not necessarily, uh, doing as many bilateral pulls, maybe some single pulls and just allowing it to calm down. We also found too, with a lot of pull-ups, if you put your thumb on top and you stop squeezing it as hard, mm-hmm. uh, some of the tendonitis goes away. T-bar, alternate supine, mixed grip. Um, you might just have to just do what doesn't hurt as well. Yeah, because um, if you keep doing what hurts, it's never going to calm down and you're going to effectively, because tendonitis is just uh, inflamed tendon, tendinosis. Mm-hmm. And, and so. maybe it's, it could, maybe it's not tendon. Like mine wasn't because I could do things with my head turned and it would just, it would, there'd be no pain. Like it would be throbbing head straight, trying to do like, let's say um, uh, seated incline bicep curls. But then if I like rolled my neck, it would go away. Or you could just go see Dr. Bueller and have him fix it. That's true too. So case one thing, so one thing Aunt Loaded showed me for, for that when he was in town for the symposium is he had me gra- like jump up on a, a pull-up bar, right? And just like grab it with double overhand, get yourself in good position and set a good grip with one hand and just hang and get as loose as you can from one arm and just let the bar like pretend like it's going to just, you're trying to let your shoulders separate and rotate as far. You'll, you'll get a good solid stretch. When you get to end range, try to actively pull yourself back to a good position and do a single arm pull-up. And it's just like that for me has been just opening up my neck. So that could, if that hurts though, Hoff, like don't do it, but that's something you could try. And that it's like just lengthen and strengthen, you know, how often do we find ourselves in the end ranges of those positions? Or you could just lighten the weight, do some BFR stuff. I mean, there's a whole bunch. That's of also stuff. true. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I don't, without seeing him train and understanding like what hurts him. Cause he doesn't say in his, uh, in his short little Instagram blurb, like Hoff is what, a man of few words. What movements are lighting up your body or uh, your mm-hmm. form and your biceps tendon and causing you ten, uh, tennis elbow? Right. Um, normally, tennis elbow comes from a lot of this type of motion, like mm-hmm. a lot of swinging. Uh, you know, baseball guys, you know, uh, throwing athletes get it more. So, like, what is the mm-hmm. – it probably comes from something with grip. So maybe adding some straps in yep. or just finding movements that don't hurt. Yep. And both, both of those, all of those, eight weeks. 
by Pain you free. haven't seen him training or you need to see him training? Is that an invitation for Hoff? Hoff, get you and your sidekick over there. Yeah, make sure you bring your skid steer, too. I, I got to regrade the road. Out here. Yeah. We want to party, man. What's and up? We you gotta, know where to go? We got to dig up some creek, too. So You know where to go. Happen. You what? know where we live. We don't know where you live. Well, you for, know where CJ lives. Yeah, I do. For fresh listeners, Hoff Rossman is the originator of the party barge. That's true. One-liner. And for at least two years, you thought it was me. It was you. No. And then I hired the real Hoff. Yes. This goes back to the penguin thing. You guys think it's me. It's probably Hoff Rossman. I don't think he's that skilled with the computer. That is a, that is a fact. He has no. never set an avatar on you, anything. You, Case in point. You, on the other hand, I, uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I, I, I really hope that you're not the penguin because the penguin has jumped the shark. What do you mean? Just you, I'll go check. I haven't looked at it. Uh, in a long it, time. it uh, I feel like he started strong and then just fizzled out. I just feel like uh, it's just. Not Played out. It's yeah. not funny anymore. Just, no, it like it just he jumped the shark. Mm. 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 I think mm. he should just fade away. Oh, he will. That um, offends me. <laughs> as the penguin? No, just as a fan of the penguin. <laughs> <laughs> All right, a couple movie questions. So, to the past. This is from MV Gutto. Ooh, you finally have a few hours of free time. You sit down with a big plate of wings or ribs I or do both. Like wings and ribs. A large farva Hold and a roll of paper towels. Before you dig in, <sighs> what movie are you pressing play on? This is great and this is my dream. However, did you hear that there's a four hour director's cut of Apocalypse Now? Once Upon a Time in Hollywood coming out. What? Yeah. I'm in on that. Mm-hmm. I'd watch but, it. But that answers the second question I'm going to ask. But oh, okay. Um, man, you know, do you have a, do you have a quick answer on this one? Um, no, I, I can't really think of, uh, what I would want to watch. I'll tell you, uh, I did get done watching the Witcher. Uh, we watched, uh-huh. I watched the series. I liked the Witcher. I, I got done watching the Mandalorian, which I thought was awesome too. Uh-huh. Um, so that's where my head's going to is like, is series. Oh. oh man, I love them. Versus um, a movie, what would I be more dude, likely to do? And also, what's dependent as well is like, this is I know I'm probably overcomplicating this, but what did I do that day? Am I just like, did I get dude, chores done? It's not. Am I with friends? I, I really like this idea that Netflix has of these like long form uh, deals. Like you know, like I'm sure they twelve episode series. Type yeah, of? like to me, it's 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 way more digestible. I like it more. Like the Mandalorian thing was awesome. Like. I'm sure it would have been bitching in a movie, but like seeing the way they did it and developed it and had these different episodes, I thought the Mandalorian was genius. I thought Gina was great. Mm-hmm. And, and so what I'm thinking on this is like longer movie on this question. A three hour. Yeah. Like two, like a Forrest Gump. I got the time. Right. Or heat. I got the time. That's a good one. I'm sitting there. I'm probably rewatching, like clearly rewatching something. Yeah. This is a rewatch question. Uh, or again, because it's like a few hours, am I going to go just binge a series? Uh, like a, I'm, I'm on the series, man. I, I I really dig it. I think it's super cool. I think it's such a neat, uh, and I'm going to use the word neat because my kids will use that word all the time now. Uh, I think it's just super cool that they are able to kind of develop these uh, these shows, and I just think it's it. I, I foresee uh, the future of this kind of going in this direction where, you know, like I, I watched all the Mandalorians and I've seen the Witcher, but I haven't gone to see the new star Wars. Mm-hmm. 
Like I didn't even I know. S- I did see it. I wasn't. Uh, did you see the like the second new one, the the last one that came out? Which what was the last one? Uh, yeah, the final, the the last Jedi. Yeah, with the last Jedi. Yeah, um, I haven't seen this one. So spoiler spoiler alert, people. Which how did the which one was the last Jedi? So that was the one where uh, like they don't like they they destroyed the temple and uh, Luke Skywalker dies. Okay. So that was the last Jedi. I know I've seen the one where he's on the island. Yeah, that's the at la- the end. Yeah, and I think I saw the one after that, which is the Last Jedi. Yeah. So we got they just released one Force with- Awakens, Last Jedi, and the Rise of Skywalker. Okay. So so this next one's called the Rise of Skywalker, which just came out I think a couple weeks ago. Uh, yeah, dis- or Christmas. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, no, I haven't seen that one yet, and like I wasn't really rushing to go see it. But yeah, none of these I'm really rushing. I wouldn't say I'm rushing to. Well, dude, I will. I was kind of rushing to see the Mandalorian. Like I, I like every time like it got done, I was like excited for the next one to come yeah, out. Yeah, the Mandalorian is doing drip versus Netflix, where it's like, "Fuck you, ten episodes." Uh, Mandalorian is Fridays. I don't know why uh, Netflix just dumps all the episodes at once. Oh, I know what my answer is. Uh, I'm probably watching The Boys again. Oh, the I'm Amazon! Prime. Wow, I loved that freaking series, dude. Have you seen this one? So, uh, or oh, Watchmen? If, Those two are like my oh, most the, recent. Watchmen killed it. If so if we're going series for this question, yeah. I'm going The Righteous Gemstones, Dan McBride's latest series uh-huh. on HBO. If you haven't watched it, it's uh, awesome. I got rid of all of our, uh, like, we only have, I, I tried to get rid of all the DirecTV and everything, but we kept, like, the most basic package because... Because mm-hmm. uh, you're basic. Burned. Yeah. Uh, because <laughs> there was, like, a whole bunch of shows that uh, I would never watch that the kids were, like, yeah. like kids baking and all this shit that I'm like, I can't believe you guys watch all this shit. And while this is up on here, I will comment on the new Star Wars. Like, the script could not be that thick because it was such, like, an, a facial, emotional, gesture-acting-heavy movie. Like, they did a great job. I liked it, but I'm not a Star Wars person. Yeah. So, like, I have zero opinion on it other than I could feel what they believe were in the aiming force? to express. Are you a Star Wars person, but do you believe in the Force? Because Callie is a Star Wars person and doesn't believe in the Force. Uh, Burn. Yeah. The, I, yes. I'll answer that. I'll believe in the Force, but I'm not, like, a Star Wars nerd. Callie. Mm-hmm. What's kind of interesting on The Mandalorian is that they haven't, nobody said that uh, Baby Yoda is using the Force. They just, he does things. And well, they're like, uh, I don't know when like, it happens in like the, the universe of uh, the Star Wars movies. It is after. After the original three? Uh, I think it's after the Empire uh, is destroyed. Because like all of these guys are like ex-Empire guys. Like it's, it's like the, the Rebels one. So I would imagine it's probably, I don't know. I'm sure we could uh, Google it. Yeah. It takes place know. after... Um, I've got no clue. I've seen a couple episodes. I think it's good. I do think it's a good show. The premise of the boys, John, is... um, You've told me this. Yeah, the dark side of like DC Universe. They have VC, and it's just like these dudes are dirtbags. It's so awesome. It's it's great. Mandalorian is five years after the Return of the Jedi. Yeah. So Return of the Jedi, the end, like the the Empire is, is over. And so, yeah, super cool. Uh, yeah, I haven't watched the boys. Uh, maybe I'll. But you remember in, in Return of the Jedi, they, uh, the, uh, the, the Jedi were gone. You remember Yoda was living off on like his little like swamp world and like the Jedi really had remember. been destroyed. So that was like Return of the Jedi when they were like, oh, the last Jedi. 
And that oh, was a significant. Well, now the title makes sense. Now the the title makes sense. Return of the Jedi, but then also the Last Jedi was Luke Skywalker. So we've settled on series mm-hmm. versus well, the movie. But if I'm like I'm if thinking, you got to say movie. You got to say movie. Die Hard uh, with, oh, the bend in, die hard with, with the Vengeance. Die Hard with the Vengeance. Kick. That's a good one. Yeah, I watched that over break, and it's awesome. Just awesome. It's a Christmas movie. You got to watch it on Christmas. No, that's Die Hard, the original. Die oh. Hard with the Vengeance is. Did you watch the one Die Hard where they were in Russia with his son? That's no, I haven't. A good day to die I hard. I fell asleep uh, during it on a plane. It's yeah, I watched on a plane, and I remember like getting through it and just being like turning it off, trying to watch something else, coming back and being like, I'm just going to power through it, and it was <laughs> awful. Well, what was good with his, the one with his daughter in Live Free or Die Hard, where they were in D.C. I thought that was awesome. Oh yeah, yeah, that one was. Decent. That came out. Weren't, weren't they like hackers? Yeah, so I don't and know it if it like, stood at the test of time. What was the one where they called it like a firestorm or um, they had some name for something where they like... Fire sale? Fire sale. I think yeah. that was it. Yeah, that was awful. Is that where he, and, ramps, and he the, ramps a car into a helicopter? No, it was a, one of those hovering F-45 planes. planes. Yeah. Did, he, did like, he shoot like a motorcycle into it or a car? I don't know, but it was awesome. Oh, now I, I got to go back. It. Yeah, I got to go watch it. Yeah. Which was originally done in... Uh, uh, Schwarzenegger. True, true lies. lies. Yes. Okay. I'm going true lies because yeah, I, that for this answer, legit. this question, I'm going true lies for Tom Arnold alone. Yeah. He's awesome. He's so dude. great. Boy, he was playing himself. I know. <laughs> I want to <laughs> hang out with Tom Arnold. It's always great when people play themselves. It's like Eminem and 8 Mile. They're like, oh, he should win an Oscar. I'm like, he played himself. It's yeah. his story. Nailed it. Nailed it. Any other questions? Yeah. The Please hold for... We got Devin Butler. He asked, "Will the Texans win the Super Bowl?" Yes. Sub question: Most anticipated movie of twenty twenty? Top Gun. Right now? Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd be. I would if Top Gun came out today. I would go see it. Next Fast movie, whatever that is. Next MI. Oh, um, Mission Impossible. I think The Rock's got like fifty new movies coming out. But I saw him now. He's training for uh, Black Adam, so he's yeah. uh, he's entering the, DC. Yeah, right? DC universe is black adam hmm. and uh yeah he was posting some pictures he's like starting filming this summer and he's already shredded what is um what was the dc movie that just came out that crushed it why am i blanking on this oh uh, it was, like it was rated r it, am i maybe this was a dream i don't know uh, Bad Boys for Life, yes. So I've got a, I've got a lot I'm looking forward to. Oh fuck, they they got a Furious Nine. Oh god, tell me it's not happening. No, it's happening. Oh, fuck. So I, uh, I got a lot. I First, think, I think I'm gonna throw up on my I mouth. See, I, I can't see him. I gotta see 1917. Have you seen the the previews for this one? Yeah. So it just looks good. actually won best, but it's not out in Austin yet, so I haven't seen it. Oh but, Joker, um, is there another Joker coming out? Uh, I don't think so. No, but they're going to have... Is that going to uh, open up like the, gonna the, the dark Harley, side? They're going to have the Harley Quinn movie, I think, is coming out. Yeah, that is coming out. But um, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. New Ghostbusters. Oh. Preview for that's out. And it's not... So they are they are drawing a, a fence around the one that happened most recently and just saying this is a direct continuation because it's the director's son that's making it from the original two. So Who, this, uh, um, uh, Harold Ramis' son's making it? No, Harold Ramis it was not the director, so he was one of the writers. But um, Ghostbusters, it was uh, Reitman. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. So his son, Ivan Jason. Reitman. Yeah, his son, Jason, is taking on the story. And but he's bringing back 
Bill Murray, Dan yes. Aykroyd. So it is a direct. Sigourney Weaver. It is a direct follow-up of Ghostbusters. Well, well, um, um, Ivan Reitman, uh, but uh, Harold Ramis, I think, has passed away. He he has. So that's yeah. that's in the story because it is. Is that his, Paul Rudd? Uh, yeah. Oh, so the preview is awesome. So it's right. It's uh, Ramis's. So Egon's family mm-hmm. is left, and then the the story follows, and like everything starts coming back, and so his family, like his son, essentially. It's a hero's journey on the nutshell. Well, and then, I would see that because, uh, one, I love Ghostbusters, and two, I would way. feel I had to support it after that terrible Ghostbusters that we watched with Did the chicks. Did you watch it? Yeah, it was awful. Oh, and there's also New and Bond. I'm, and I'm, um, I watched Wonder Woman. I like Wonder Woman. The, and then there's a new Christopher Nolan movie that looks legit, and it's with... Denzel Washington's son is the lead. Ooh, yeah, he's pretty... I liked him in... Uh, Ballers. Yeah. Man, I couldn't get into Ballers. Well, because... It's because you, you know what it's like. I just that's a donkey. It. That's like movie stars watching Entourage and being like... Nah. I couldn't... Yeah, I like couldn't the same reason I don't like Office Space. Been there, done that. I couldn't watch it, man. I tried to get into it. I just... You know, and it's got like... It's got Jake Laser and a bunch of people I know, so it's... Um, Oh, and there, we're going through a list here. A guy Pierce has got a new movie that he wrote, so he's getting away from like the uh, the stories he took on. He actually did Aladdin. You mean I um, uh, Guy Ritchie? Guy Ritchie, yeah, yeah. yeah no, uh, I saw the preview for this gentleman. It looks awesome. It's got um, uh, Matthew McConaughey. Uh huh. And Colin Farrell. Yeah. Ooh, babes. No, Just it's, it's hot dudes. It, it looks good. It looks good. Just by the fact that there's those two hot dudes in it, it's got the once upon once upon a time in Hollywood play. Brad Pitt and Leo? Come uh, on. Dude, Leo was so schlubby. Yeah, it was perfect. Yeah. Like, it was great. He was Brad pl- Pitt was, he was playing on him, point. He was playing himself now. <laughs> like, as I'm watching Leo, I'm like, this is him. He's a, he's a schlub now. Brad Pitt? Ooh, that's he'll, a, he'll that's a bold cool. statement. I think, Leo, cool. I think Leo will be back. Now, Brad Pitt is... He's fucking cool as shit. Yeah. I like the fact that he's, like, smoking the PCP cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> fucking dog. Dude, so, so let's not spoil it in case anyone hasn't seen it, but that last, the last, the ending is Well, where Leo comes out with a flamethrower? Hang on, spoiler. I don't care. <laughs> you should. I don't There's care. Just, I don't care. 40,000 people I, just I don't, had their whole life ruined. I don't care. I don't care if you spoil a movie for me. You could tell me the end. It doesn't matter. It doesn't change a single thing. You, on the other hand, have to, like, oh, I gotta know the end. I'm like, I don't care. Yeah. It's a, it's a cinematic respect. There are code. This is there are rules here. This isn't nom. Uh, I did watch <laughs> that movie you recommended from '95. Just cause. Just cause. I did, and you were like, "Just cause." There's a great twist. So I'm watching this movie from 1995, and like, okay, twist, 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 and then I was able to f- just yeah. Oh, that that was easy. Slow but if I didn't coming. know there was a twist, uh-huh. I would have been surprised. What'd you think of Ed Harris? Uh, oh, Psycho. Amazing psychopath. Yeah, he should play more psychopaths. Yeah. Gnarly. Do you remember this movie? 19. Sean Connery is a retired attorney turned uh, law Teacher, professor. Yeah. No, I haven't. Gets seen called this. into a. It's a death row, like wrongful conviction, death row kind of plot line. Uh, anyways, Ed Harris. I, I watched it with my mom and Ashley over break, and I'm like, man, these are like my favorite movies. Like, Along Came the Spider. Uh, like those, like kind of crime drama. Yeah, I was on a a lawyer drama kick for a while. What do you guys think about Black Widow? With uh, uh, they gave um, um, 
ScarJo? Yeah, they gave her her own movie. I thought she, I liked her. I liked her origin story in the early Avengers movies whenever she made her appearance. W- when did she make her appearance? In an Avengers movie? Like yeah. Avengers 1? Or was she in like an Iron Man or something? I think she was in an Iron Man. Yeah, two. her and Jason Man Renner two. or whatever. Is it yeah. Jason Renner? Yeah, Jeremy, where she Jeremy was, Renner. She was like going to be a secretary or something. But like that, because that was a relatively long origin story, like a 20 minute. I thought it was pretty interesting. Like she's in that barn. I don't even like, remember. Uh, she's, you know, that she, they think that they've got her captured and then like her bat phone rings and she's like, just breaks out of the handcuffs and like smokes 10 dudes in the attic of a barn, like answers the phones. Like they weren't in a barn. They were in a warehouse. What's the difference? Like a Russian warehouse. And she's like, hey, she's on the phone. She's enough, like, hey? hey, this idiot's about to tell me his whole plot. Call me back later. You know, no, like, <laughs> but no, I, I breaks I, out of zip ties and just, I'd be all right with it. I'm not mad at it. Well, I, I think uh, I think what, she, you got concerned. No, I think I, it, I am a big fan. I think um, I, I definitely like Scarlett Johansson. I thought she was a good character in it, so I think that's good. But I'm I'm excited to see Wonder Woman too. But my reservation on all of it, truly, is like the, the hero thing is just like I get it. It's this, it's on loop. You know what I mean? They're well, fun it's to because watch. They're making money. Totally, man. I get it. I get what they're doing, and they're nailing it. Uh, which is why The Boys is so great. I found so... So The Boys is a Amazon Prime oh, series John. that I would liken to... Who is the dude who just did his Golden Globes deal? Oh, Ricky Gervais. It's the Ricky Gervais version of the Marvel DC Universe. Are they really bringing back Paul Atreides in Dune movie? They are bringing it back, so... Oh, God. Uh, I know how much you like Dune. <laughs> <laughs> uh, huge fan of the Dune books. The the preview is out. I have not watched uh, it yet. You guys haven't read the Dune books. No. But you should go through. I think there's about 10 of them, as I remember. Jason Momoa's in there. As he should be. He, he plays Duncan, huh? Duncan, Idaho. I don't yes. know any of these. How about Timothy Chalamet? So Does would, that look like... Uh, that would sh- be Paul Atreides. And then uh, Lady Jessica would be the mom. And uh, there's Harkonnen is the, is the bad dude. Uh, Dave Batista, man. Who's Batista? Oh, Josh Brolin. I'm in. I'm a big Brolin. Oh, guy. Di- this is star studded. You got uh, Javier Bardem. Dave the... Batista is not star studded. He pulls I'm him down. I'm pointing at somebody else. the The bad guy from No Country from Old Men. Uh huh. So if he's playing Dunk- and Skyfall. Here, go back to uh, uh, Momoa's playing Duncan. Who's uh, Duncan Idaho? Who's that character? I think Duncan. I want to say Duncan is uh, is like his father's like trusted dude, like trusted deal. Dune from nineteen eighty four. So, yeah, I remember seeing it. So there was Duke Atreides is is uh, there, and then Duncan Idaho, I believe, is uh, Paul Atreides or Duke Atreides, like trusted dude. And then uh, who is? The or uh, uh, I think it was Sting played in the original movie. Sting played. God damn it! What was his name? Yeah, there it is. There we go. Okay. Maybe this is the one movie I would sit down and watch because I've never, I have zero understanding or concept of this. Uh, Duncan, I okay. Yeah, all right, so. Where's the show Sting? Sting was in this movie. Well, I'm on IMDb. What's Sting's real name? Fuck, I don't know. Sting? Isn't he just known as Sting? Isn't he know. like Madonna and 
Ludicrous. <laughs> Prince. The Sting. Sting. Known from The Emperor's New Groove. Year 2000. He was in Cold Mountain. Dune. Dune. Fade. Routha. Yeah, Fade Routha. There you go. Man. Okay. <laughs> so are we saying Dune is on the list? I have to watch it now. No, I'm John's saying most anticipated Dude, movies. I've been, I, so uh, I saw the movie in probably like, the, the, we, I don't think I saw it in the movie theater, but I definitely saw it on VHS because I remember going to the video store. There was, um, it was, this wasn't even Blockbuster. There was a video store out next to this Chinese food place we used to go get like takeout from when I was a kid. And we would go and like our whole deal was like we would go order takeout. And then I remember my older brother, probably, man, I bet you he, I bet you my brother Rob wasn't even driving yet, but he was probably driving with my parents. We'd drive to this Chinese place. We'd get this like whatever awful Chinese food that was actually pretty good at the time. And then we would go to this movie theater place and like uh, they had all the boxes were like stacked up, but there was nothing in there. So you could like pick and look at the boxes. And I remember there were certain movies I like always gravitated towards. One was George Orwell's 1984. And I remember it was 1985. I was nine years old because I remember thinking, is this a movie about what happened last year? (laughs) Right. And uh, you're not like you're not, you know, nothing. right? Right. And my mom was like, you don't want to watch that movie. And I was like, why? And she like was like, no, it's not good. And I remember watching Orwell's 1984. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember seeing Clockwork Orange, uh, like all these ones. But I remember the Dune one. And finally, I convinced him to rent the Dune. And I, I was like mesmerized. And of course, everybody hated it but me. And then I went and I read all the books. And then it's been funny when I've met people. been like, have you read the Dune books? Like Kelly Starrett. I read all the Dune books too. I'm like, wow, you're weird. I was like, we had Tara Swart and she had read Clan of the Cape Bear. That was another great series. This was the day when you actually had to go to the library and you would check books out. You would mm-hmm. read a book and you bring a book back. Oh, you could still do that, I think. I know you can. You yeah, can, but people library. don't really do it anymore, though. Yeah, that's true. My wife does. That's her thing. Oh, yeah. It's good. So, yeah, but you can do it like online, you know, so you can go and reserve a book and then you get a notification when it's like returned and you're in queue, oh. which I think is pretty cool, I guess. That's super cool. Right. But what else? We got any other questions here, McQuilkin, or are we could closing it out on that? Oh wait, no. Uh, oh, we already talked about Hammer for uh, for Davin, right? Keep going. Well, he just said he's. Co- Excuse me, Davin just said he's coming back after oh, okay. he finishes. Oh, he's his doing ACFT. an ACFT and he's going to do a test retest after Hammer, mm-hmm. which oh, I'm sure Davin's going to have a hard time b- passing the ACFT. Oh, high score? Did I break it? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, seriously, he'll, he'll smash it. All right, keep going down. Uh, here's a quick one. Can you rank your favorite meats? <sighs> From most to least. I'm in a debate with my friends regarding the position of fish. I hold eggs above fish. So it's like, as meat, does like, is beef a meat? Yes. So beef, bison, so it's not like ribeye. No, no. no. It's cut. Protein. No, I, I think I, he's I, asking for a I protein would say, order. Um, uh, like um, species. Okay. So bison and beef are different. Yes. Okay. They're both rudiments. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then speaking of rudiments, you know, I've been battling the vegans on Lane Norton's fucking post on Instagram. You had mentioned, Oh God. And how's it going? Um, the problem is, is that, um, one, I think they're delusional Two, they have this weird, like kind of like cult religious belief behind it where they believe, uh, and the guy told me this, that they believe that if, uh, we 
basically defund any animal or uh, animal-based agriculture, and we just abandon it. That there's a symbiotic relationship where the humans can live side by side with the animals in this like utopian society. Oh, Jesus, right? And my thing is, if we don't have an industry around the raising of animals for people to make money and profit, that's what drives it. The day that we abandon that, what do you think is going to happen to the animals? They're going to get plowed into the ground because we're going to be competing for uh, food source. So like, it's like, okay, wait a minute. Hey, th that cow needs an acre to graze on, but I can plow that acre and turn that into corn or soy or, or you know, whatever I need for my vegan diet. And so what's going to happen is uh, the cows can't eat that. And the other thing that they refuse to believe is that the majority of what they list is like grain for cows is actually byproduct from the alcohol industry. So really? when the alcohol brings in, they like, you know, take grains in, they turn them into alcohol, and then they're actually called distilled grains. That byproduct that they just throw away, no, that's what goes and feeds the cows. It's super nutritionally dense and like is like a really, you know, high end because it's actually kind of been processed through. They strip all the grains out. The lar like it's like 81% of what's fed to the animals that is not grass is from these distilled grains. Yeah. yeah. And so it, it's pretty interesting that like the, the vegans are arguing that we're like we're feeding these animals food that could be fed for humans, which isn't accurate because the food that the cows are eating is food that we cannot eat. So there's like a really like interesting, like almost like a disassociation where they like, it just, man, it doesn't make sense to me. And then the guy tried to convince, or some guy was like, you know, it only takes 0.6 of an acre to feed a, uh, one vegan for an entire year. And, and, and uh, it takes 1.8 acres to feed, to feed a cow. And I was like, but how many people can a cow feed? A year? A year. I don't know. I think I bought a cow. One, maybe, right? I mean, but but th I mean, it, it it does like like. And what's crazy is, um, then the guy forwarded me uh, uh, this guy uh, McGregor who wrote this book called like like foods out you know like foods to eat to not die, and like it's the guy's a total MD, total vegan, total fucking cherry picked all of his information. I went through his fucking book. It's fucking awful. And uh, then the guy's like, well, this guy's got 130 pages of citations, and here's my my comment. If you have to cherry pick your information and create these fucking shell games, it's bullshit. Like, um, like, like in the Game Changers deal, they're like they kept confusing all these different fucking titles from vegan to plant based and what you know what constituted this. They didn't fucking compare apples to apples at at, at all. It was like they're comparing a vegan diet versus a westernized diet. Okay. Uh, I would much rather you eat a vegan diet than go to fucking McDonald's every day. But that's how they're comparing it. They're right. not comparing fucking two healthy individuals that are eating, uh, you know, nutrient fast dense food. food yeah. fat. It's just, but it's because it doesn't fit within their narrative. Mm -hmm. So, right, yeah. and then I forwarded them uh, uh, um, the um, the Sacred Cow website, and the guy's like, "This is a blog. This is bullshit." I'm like, "It's a book." hasn't come out yet it's a movie that's trying to get funding and two the information is fucking the information like some of the worst fucking books i've ever read just because something's printed doesn't mean it's fucking valid mm -hmm. oh he's got 130 pages of citations and i'm like if you have to cherry pick information ignore you know like look at the china study man like that guy cherry picked the fuck out of that stuff so i think we've it's still a futile effort Sounds like no, I yeah. I mean the the problem is is that it's trying to convince somebody that their religion 
isn't the right one. Like, and that's, I think, what's really fascinating with a lot of the vegan stuff is that it's become this ideology. It's not a way to eat. It's a, it's a religion. It's an ideology. Like, my favorite is, like, uh, all the vegan clothing and, like, vegan shoes and all that for belts and all that. I'm like, okay, so what you're doing is you're creating more fucking shit plastic mm-hmm. and pumping that into our environment. So let's just start wearing a bunch of fucking plastic shit. But you think that's better than the environment than fucking wearing something like leather shoes? So those animals are like, it, it doesn't, it doesn't make fucking sense to the point where I was reading an article recently where, uh, uh, because of this whole, like, you know, don't wear leather vegan bullshit, they're basically taking the hides and just burying them in landfills because they can't fucking, they're, they're like, well, there's not enough call for, for leather. Right. And I'm like, okay, so you're increasing the landfills and you're fucking processing a bunch of fucking plastic. Like it doesn't make any fucking sense to me. So it sounds like it's going well with the, the vegan battle. Well, keep it, on, keep it, on. It, it, but, 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 but why don't we rank our meats? Oh, sorry. So here's what I just jotted down with a quick Google search of types of meat. And they probably can be classified at a higher order. Lamb, pork, bison, beef, poultry, fish, eggs, shellfish, venison. Does that seem like the readily ab- available meats? Yeah, I, I'm going to go with, um, I like buffalo. I like uh, cow beef. I like venison. Probably go with turkey, maybe some chicken. Over pork? And then I would probably put... Over the swine? Just uh, dig, don't dig on swine, that's all. No, that's fine. I, I, I do like swine, but I would... Uh, I swine's probably, fine? Yeah, like once a week <laughs> I eat it. Uh, I try to eat fish two to three times a week. And then yeah, the rest is buffalo and then beef. And I guess it has a lot to do with how it's prepared, Right. I've been uh, I've been fucking with the reverse sear. Uh, it's pretty good. I do dig that. I think I'm going to put lamb over bison. Really? Wow. Mm-hmm. You like? Lamb? I really have been like I dig. I don't eat it a lot, but I that is like it's always so greasy that I almost feel like I'm going to burn the house down when I cook it. Yeah. When I barbecue it, it's like a fucking. I'm thinking of those lamb lamb pops we had at Chris's in Fort Bragg. Mm. Remember those little guys? Yeah, no, they're delicious. It's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, then. You know, I'm kind of sad we don't get to eat at Chris's anymore. I'm okay. <laughs> I did like... <laughs> no, I'm cool. I, li- I, li- I liked eating at Chris's. Uh, yeah, no, I'm with you. Like, there's yeah. a bit of a nostalgia around it. I do. Um, I'm going to go lamb. I, I, I don't like... Or I'm happy about having to not go back to Fort Bragg. But. I'm, like, here's what's tricky is like... I like bison, but I also like beef. And I don't know that I can delineate. Like, I, I know that there's a difference but I don't know that I like one more than the other. So I think that's... Can like you a taste the difference? Yeah. yeah oh, I, I, I totally can taste yeah, the difference. Yeah, but I, like, I'm, I don't think it's better or worse. It's different. Whereas like lamb, to me, is distinctly better. But and I'm talking chicken. like lamb shank, lamb chops. Uh, Euro? Gyros all day. Then I think I got to rank fish. I think I'm taking fish over pork yeah. and venison. I'll take fish over pork. And then I'm taking eggs, shellfish, venison, poultry. I'll tell you. Uh, poultry's at the bottom. Eggs, or I'm sorry, fish. And eggs are and good. And is <sighs> a really tight deal for me for, uh, um, I like pork ribs. Well, that's like, what I was like, the so, swine's fine, so, except if it's a rib. So, so like I would put pork, like fish above pork. But if it's just pork ribs, that catapults <laughs> all the way to the top right under buffalo. So, like, if I had an option of buffalo or pork ribs, 
Uh, I just think any meat that you can rip off the bone yes. part of the predator diet is um, is huge. I think we should start that predator diet where every everything you eat has to be ripping meat off the bone. Right. Oh. What mm-hmm. about sticks, like a corn dog? Yeah, that counts. <laughs> when was the last time you had a corn dog? I uh, not too long. This morning. Uh, <laughs> too long. <laughs> I had a corn dog last week. So the, so Kate. What? Oh man, Kate, you sandbagging son of a uh, gun. Kate uh, found these organic corn dogs. Like I don't know where they are. And uh, it's got to be a Costco. The, yeah, something. Or so, Whole Foods. Though. So uh, she's like cooking them up, and like they were all like come out, and I was like, "Are those corn dogs?" I do miss that. So as a I kid. went over, oh, and like uh, I like ate a corn dog. Then I. I Figured I was like, oh, how many of them? I didn't realize the kids are each going to eat two corn dogs. So I had three, and then I, I totally fucked Ruled their the ratio. Uh, they were like, who ate all of our corn dogs? And I'm like sitting there holding them. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. Maybe it was Cashy. Uh, McQuilkin? I'll tell you who it was. You got you uh, got my list here? Sasquatch. No. Um, Bert, uh, I got to go beef burger, just numero uno. If we're traveling, that's the first Google search. Mm-hmm. So we can find just some unique burger somewhere. You can always dress it up. And then seconds fillet a penis, right? Mm-hmm. Tube steak. Um, Real lean. Tube steak. <laughs> That's what Chris is looking for mm-hmm. on the road. That's not funny. Uh, eggs. I, I'll go eggs too. So your beef and eggs are your top two meats. Yeah. Go ahead. That's fine. And then I, I want to force fish n- next in there because I need more. Okay. Need it more. sounds like you're doing, you're just saying what you do, not yeah. what you like best. Well, yeah, I'm not as as switched on as a foodie as y'all, but um, yeah. No, then those bison are your box. three. There's then, five then other meats. Box. Then bison box. So you know what I read the other day, John? Yes. What you do know? Tell me. No. Well, <laughs> um, I know you don't read, that, so I know this is a loaded question. <laughs> uh, good question. You know who? What I had read to me the other day. <laughs> that sounds more accurate. <laughs> is that alligator has a higher protein profile? Has the highest protein profile of all meats, like per gram? Uh, have you ever had? Uh, gator tail? Yes, we I have think, in yeah. Cape Town. Yeah. So uh, when I was training, look for that the, up. So when I was uh, um, in New, when I was in Louisiana, uh, training for the combine, we went to this uh, little Cajun spot, and they had uh, deep fried gator tail. Uh huh. And it was kind of like a mix between like chicken and fish, and it was real thick and meaty, and it was fucking delicious. So I want to say that it has the highest. I don't know why or how. Oh, because we were thinking about I would say conti- uh, protein content or uh, protein uh, per ounce protein in no, gator meat just put protein gator tail because we were going to get gator tail you got uh, potato tail I told you about that that bar crawl I did with my buddies over Christmas that I had to buy to sell my whole week vacation on right oh yeah didn't uh, McQuilkin come as yeah, your he, plus one but we were going to we were going to get a like did as, you leave him for dead did he make it I don't know like Every man for themselves, man. Uh, he made it, though. He's like, it was weird. I ended up in Milwaukee. I don't but, even know how I got there. Actually, it's pronounced Milwaukee. But we were going to cater it with a, a whole alligator. Like, have them deliver oh, hey, we all paid an for alligator that. on what a happened spick. to that? Uh, it all went to the Emmett's bar tab. Remember the endless white claws in Coors Lights in Modelo's? No. In our own private room? You don't remember that? No. I, all right, here, go up, go up, uh, go down. Alligator consists of 130, 143 calories in 3.5 ounces, 29 grams of protein. Um, okay, so that's seven, eight grams. Eight so grams. seven would be 21, mm-hmm. eight would be 24. So eh, it's about seven to eight, you know, 7.5 grams. Mm-hmm. So I was lied to. I mean, I guess it's more, right? Three percent fat. Well, eight would be eight times three would be twenty four, and then half of that would be twenty eight. So mm-hmm. call that eight grams. I mean, it's pretty close. I mean, I don't know if it's higher than fish. 
we need. We're going to have to figure out uh, this official it, ranking. It says it tastes like quail. Oh, wait, hold on. Go back. Go back. What does it say it tastes like? It said it tastes like quail with a mildly fishy flavor and is often chewy depending on the preparation. I thought it was kind of like a fishy chicken kind of taste. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was kind of meaty and it was fucking delicious with hot sauce. Yeah, obviously. Have you ever been to Opie's Barbecue down 71? I have been to Opie's. I went there the other, last week. Yeah. It was fantastic. I yeah. had a great time. Yeah, Mueller's uh, building, which mm-hmm. we have yeah. Mueller building. So anytime I go to Mueller's, I always start up at Opie's. I, I, was, I was at Opie's probably a couple months ago. Yeah, I didn't have their brisket. They had the pork ribs ready. We went late. I, got, I had a half chicken and pork it's ribs. It's kind of interesting when you go in and they have those big metal yeah. uh, deals and they pop it open and they kind of like you pick it pick right your, there. Yeah. Yeah, no, I got pork ribs from there. They're pretty good. And where is this? Opie's down, on down 71. 71. Which, so uh, Marble Falls or Spicewood Marble Falls. Okay. As you're driving down, you know where Mueller Buildings is? I've been there with you, but. Okay. Well, it's right next door. Okay. Yeah. So, and then across the street, there was the. Hellbent Holsters? Um, that's farther down. Okay. But uh, between, like before you get there, like right on the same side of the road as that gas station right there. Yeah. Uh, that was the metal shop that actually the dude welded up on my gate. Oh, okay. That's where he was the yeah, only. Yeah, yeah. So he was the, went on that trip. That's right. It was the only place I could find that would make an aluminum gate, which was a good recommendation by it for Tom Dye. It was like, if you need to get this gate made out of metal, it's going to need a fucking crane to lift it in. But aluminum, we can set ourselves, which was good. So that was a pretty good observation by Tom Dye. I think we nailed it. Anything else you want to cover on those Q&As? Uh, just one question for John. Back to the NFL. Is this it for Tom Brady Belichick? Because uh, the contract is up. I, you know, it's pretty amazing uh, that a guy like Tom Brady had got to the point where his contract was up. Like, uh, like I, I've never seen somebody play out their contract like that, like not get cut in their last year or the whole deal, and then to go into a final game without a contract next year. Fuck, man, that's uh, it's a really interesting thing. And, and I'll tell you this um, – Here's the the thing I, th- I think. I think sometimes people, regardless of how well you do, just end up just kind of needing a new change, like a space, like to go out and like play for a new coach, do something. I mean, look at uh, Peyton Manning. You know, was really successful in Indianapolis, and then he gets hurt, and they move on with Adam. They draft Andrew Luck, and then he, you know, fixes his neck, um, rides off into the sunset, and goes and plays for the Denver Broncos and ends up, you know, going out on the high note. So I think Tom Brady, who has had a career of high notes, is finally in this position. And I'll tell you this, man, as competitive as that dude is, um, I can't see him ending his NFL career on an interception like that. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. right. Like, like the, there's fucking no way, man. He's he's the best to ever do the job. You don't think that in his mind that the way he imagines him going out is fucking Super Bowl champion holding the fucking trophy. And I think anything less than that for him is uh, is a missed opportunity. So I think. His future is somewhere else. The Bears. And I, no, I think, honestly, what? Denver Broncos. Dream. Denver Broncos. You want to uh, see how bad Brady could be? Send Elway. him to the Bears. Elway. You think so? Elway. Or, um, yeah, I mean, I, I would love to see him go to a place that was like just needed a quarterback that had everybody around him. But uh, didn't they already fucking the Bears commit back to uh, uh, Rubisky? <laughs> What's his name? Trubisky. 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 He's he the worst. Mitch? I don't know that he's the worst. I think that just okay, it's okay, like a, okay. Uh, on a Bears scale, do you want to hear that draft class of quarterbacks that they? Yeah, so that's like the big thing, big thing in Chicago. Right so now. Mitch was taken number two overall. They traded up to get him. 
the next quarterbacks to follow were Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson. <laughs> yeah. So like the future of the NFL. Uh, unbelievable. Uh, and you know what? Um, the Bears. They just have a way of honestly taking really talented, I think really talented young quarterbacks and just, just fucking well, killing them. What about Putting this? Them, uh, what making about them this, lame, neutering them. What about this poor kid uh, uh, from LSU? Uh, is slated to go number one, and that's the Cincinnati Bengals, mm-hmm. which, as I've told you guys, is the kiss of death to anybody. So I'm really hoping that somebody of uh, like who needs a quarterback steps up and like fucking because the the smartest thing for no is it Cleveland? Is it Cleveland or Cincinnati? It is Cincinnati, yeah, number one pick. So what Cincinnati should do is trade that fucking pick for a whole bunch of fucking late rounders and try to rebuild their team. I mean, similar to what. Uh, I mean, isn't that what Dallas did when they traded away um, Herschel Walker and got all those fucking picks, which would allow them to be uh, to go to the Super Bowl? And that was like the whole basis of their whole deal was they traded Herschel Walker for Aikman. No, they traded Herschel Walker and they got all those picks and then they got Aikman and they were able to get all these like, you know, fucking later round guys. That That's how they built their team. So um, I'll tell you this, man. I, uh, I think um, seeing the way that like they just. I wonder if it was uh, intentional what they did to Brady by just removing all of his weapons. Like, I, I was wondering if they just were like, God, this guy just keeps winning. Why don't we just start getting rid of people? We won't sign people. And they just kept, I think they just kept pulling things away from him where he just didn't have enough help around him. You know, and he's just out there doing it. So it'd be great if he went someplace. I was stoked to have him and put him with a whole bunch of weapons. The dude would fucking probably kill, continue to blow it up. So there, there are odds out for where he does go. And Denver's on there, but they're like at the bottom. So number one is the L.A. Chargers. Huh. So they wow. got a brand new stadium because them and the Rams are, are going to share a stadium. Yeah. But this is the transition that, you know, TB12 brand is in L.A., so yeah, he, but he you got one year, but and you, they, they got some. Cool, no, you got to remember, man. The L.A. market hates the Chargers, right? But this could be Chargers' oh, attempt to, to be cool in L.A., hmm. and they got some offensive weapons. So kind of like River, LA, you, th- you think L.A. Kinda, would have loyalty to Tom Brady, a brand like yeah. LeBron brand, yeah, yeah. Kawhi Leonard brand. Well, uh, that's what happened with uh, David Beckham when they brought him over there to play David for the LA Beckham Ga- brand. Yeah, yeah when yeah. they came, he, he came to the LA Galaxy. That was a big deal. Like Beckham came and they're like the Beckham Academies and all that. So, I mean, that, that is a good situation. But knowing Tom Brady, he's going to sign with somebody that he views as a Super Bowl contender because he knows he's got a fucking short window. I, I can't see him go to a place where he's going to have to fucking Cash rebuild in. and, yeah. you know, fucking play with a shitty defense and, you know, not have a running back and all that. Also on their Colts. So taking over for... His old rival. Mm-hmm. Ah, I can't see him going and playing in a dome. Uh, okay, I, um, uh, I I would I would be surprised if he went to go play in a dome. Yeah, I didn't even think of that. That could that the last play is yeah of his career was that interception. Yeah, it was right? that interception. Yeah, how do you let that fucking dude? You, you Tom Brady's not going out on an, on an interception. Oh, Panthers was another big one. A oh, Raiders, so the Las Vegas Raiders, mm-hmm. uh, Panthers, and Buccaneers. So Bruce, Bruce, yeah. Arians. He look, look at even the point, man. Randy Moss implores the Patriots to get Tom Brady some help, man. It, it's unbelievable, like the amount, like that guy's oh, out there. It's what? just no. What the Browns? Yeah, no. 
Well, I mean, uh, that would mean that they would have to say, okay, Baker Mayfield is a flop, and we got to bring in Tom Brady for him to a fucking apprentice under. I can't see that happening. I'll tell you, though, the fucking Browns are in a hell of a problem because the only coach out there who I thought would have been at all a decent fucking pick for them was McCarthy. Because, hey, if they bring in an established uh, Super Bowl winner as a head coach, somebody that breeds and like brings in and instills confidence, and somebody, who's, mind. and somebody who's used to developing quarterbacks, worked with both Brett Favre and um, Rogers. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, like that to me would have been a pick, and I'm... And I'm I guarantee the reason that Dallas jumped out and got and fucking cut a deal was because the fucking Browns were like, cause I mean, even Hazlitt even came out and said, uh, we, we need a coach that has NFL experience winning. Like we need to bring in a proven winner, somebody that could lead this team. And McCarthy's really the only guy, Ron Rivera, you know, he went and, to, to Redskins. And then there was also in talks for Dallas, Marvin Lewis. Hmm. Mm, no. He's he's D. Yeah, he's a defensive coordinator. They got to bring in somebody offense. Uh, but I'll tell you this: I don't think Dak Prescott is. Uh, I I think he is not a good player. I think they're going to have to go out and look for somebody else. Now, if all of a sudden you saw Tom Brady come to Dallas, oh. right? If you saw him come to the Cowboys, oh seven to one odds. If on you saw our... him come to the Cowboys with McCarthy, to me, with that you know, with the running back and the defense they have, and some of the players, that to me would be a good who one. did the Packers beat in the Super Bowl? Steelers, two thousand ten. Okay. So, uh, ladies I, and gentlemen, I apologize I, yeah. for the nine-minute search on something that should, should be, be ten this. seconds. Like, okay, Google, who did the Packers play in the Super Bowl? That's an iPhone. Uh, dude, I just think for a guy like Tom Brady, um, Tom Brady is uh, is Steelers. rightly so. Probably, I mean, like. The whole NFL deal came out with the top 100 players. And, I mean, he's fucking tops of the quarterbacks and he's still playing. So, I mean, it's pretty interesting when mm-hmm. the NFL goes in and ranks the best players to ever play the game um, in terms of quarterbacks. And they put fucking Tom Brady at the top. And he's still actively playing. Like, that to me is like they haven't even had a chance to reflect upon his fucking career. So, did they put... Did they put Montana first? No. Oh, they no, put- it was... It was no they they he was like the last reveal or no uh, I didn't watch it but I think I don't know if it's ranked or it's just is yeah oh but if he, they ranked him yeah but he was like on the wall was the top card I think yeah it I, it's just dude it's uh, nobody's better Johnny you did you watch Graham. did you watch the did you watch that at all um uh, no but I did watch uh, I watched the roundtable with all the defense alignment. And I thought it was hilarious that they had three of the dudes I played against out of the five that were sitting at the table when they were going through, and they had Bruce Smith up there talking. And uh, it was cool because they had Bruce Smith, they had Jason Taylor, and they had Strahan. And it was cool to have played uh, against those guys in their prime, and it was neat that, that like... They got it, elected. Yeah, I mean, it's cool to sit there and look and see, like, hey, here are, the, here are the best players to ever play, and then be able to go through and be like, nope, that dude was the best, and I played against that guy. So I... um. Man, I have nothing but respect for Tom Brady. I think he has done more uh, and fucking absolutely slays it. So I uh, I wish him to go, like, I hope he goes somewhere, uh, preferably, you know, somewhere fucking high end and blows it out and goes somebody as a Super Bowl contender and fucking wins two more. There we have it. Anything else you want to talk about? 
What about you, big guy? No, I'm good. Ladies and gentlemen, that's it for another episode of the Premier Podcast in Strength and Conditioning. Ing. That's right. Only two ings here, people. We're dropping an ing. Maybe next year we're a solo ing. Or maybe Callie will ing herself into that to be the third ing. What do you think? Oh, does that make 2022 the year of where the Strength premier and condition. <laughs> Strength and condo. And condo. No, that, yeah, yeah, you're right. Condo pod. Condo pod. But that's it, people. Uh, hey, anyone who needs a resolution or guidance on resolutions, tell them just to head to powerathletehq.com. We have everything that they need. Tell them if they need nutrition, we have nutrition. If they need training, we have training. We do this. If they need a low level of entertainment for approximately two hours per episode. <laughs> and long form, long form. Long form, we, long we cons. We need more reviews. Um, well, we're not there yet. Uh, we're all, we, save, we should save this to the very end for the people who are really... That's, this is the end. I understand, but it's not the end yet because I still have to tell them to head to powerathletehq.com slash radio to find Power Athlete Radio. And if you've made it this long, take a text. We need more reviews. Yeah. Good we, reviews. We got, Don't leave us a bad review. Leave we got a one review. star so, two years ago <laughs> that John uncovered, and we need to bury it. <laughs> well, no, but like, um, I'm never going to go read the fucking reviews. How did you find that? That was from 2018. And Well, I, I actually clicked on and... Uh, Went some, to go write a review as the penguin. <laughs> yeah. And I was reading through the reviews, and I was like, we have one star? And I clicked on it, and the guy's like, that fucking well-worn guy's a real asshole. Didn't shut the fuck up. Mm-hmm. I was like, how does he know? He must listen. Unlike everybody else who's reviewing. He was probably mad about the Efforting podcast. Yeah. Those, we just, the, I'll tell you, all the reviews have inside jokes. I don't know if that's a positive. I don't know either. It I doesn't guess, matter. Yeah, so here's... Well, that's... Can you say that again <laughs> in the microphone, please? Thank you. Uh, if you're going to review, do a little bit, of, do a little sincere. Uh, the other one a talked about bit Luke's excessive profanities. And if there's a listener out there <laughs> who wants to count the F-bombs of the team today, do so and send it to John, J-O-H-N, at powerathletehq.com. Yeah. I'd say John's upward of 100. Tex, you're over 10, and I had two. I don't think so. Uh, Is the intern counting? Intern. I don't Where think I used it? any profanity today. That's right. You and your John universe. Uh, I don't think you use much either, uh, but I'll be interested to see on the count. I had two false starts, almost said it, and then two foleys. Because I'm being mindful, unlike you guys. Just swearing, cursing away all willy-nilly. What? I don't, I don't know. Yeah, you don't even know. Do you? No. I do. I'll tell you who does know. The internet. And they're going to tell us. That's right, people. Whoa. Tell us on the reviews. Five stars. Right, Leave a comment. Right now, TC's like, ah, I'm just counting. You think TC's ever listened to another podcast again? Uh, yes. I think we've burned that bridge. What? Wait, yeah. with, with podcasts? No, with that intern. TC loves us. Well, he loves me. He doesn't love you guys. You guys are jerks to him. Well, yeah, but Tex took a poop in his car <laughs> before he shipped it off. He's probably n- never find it where you put it. No, I went above and beyond to make sure that his driver had a tip Mm-hmm. when we could have been informed of that small detail weeks in advance. Mm-hmm. Wait, what happened? I just had to make a quick drive to the ATM for our intern to leave the driver a tip because cash was not left. So let's dig into this a little bit. So Texas 
interpretation of above and beyond is stopping at an ATM on the way to work and pulling out $40. And p- me paying the fees. He did not reimburse this is me above, for the fees. Above and beyond. That seems like a slight inconvenience. Okay. It was an inconvenience. Okay. So what would above and beyond have been? Um, for this gesture? Yeah. Me just waving off the intern paying me back and saying, hey, I got you, man. And then paying that $45. I'm saying you're at a coffee shop. You don't have the 40 bucks. You punch the person at the register. You take Steel? 40 bucks out of the no. register. You run. You get in a high-speed car chase. TC is okay. not worth... Uh, you hit pedestrians on. along the way because you're bobsledding. It's called a car chase. My truck can't go high speeds. Well, you stole a car that can go high speed like a <laughs> Honda Accord. <laughs> yeah, but what if it was a manual? Uh, then you have to get uh, another car. Like a, to me, that's an above and beyond scenario. That's above and beyond. Well, well, what if he tackles a guy up a motorcycle and goes like Stallone in, uh, in uh, uh, First Blood? Now, see, again, above and beyond, like, taking like, the dirt like bike. Like when he does this one and then tackles the dude off the yeah, bike. Like, drags him off, hops on. Ask the guy, how do I Jump drive this? Jump off a cliff into a large evergreen, hitting every branch on the way down, impaling yourself. Yeah, but I saw that in the, in the Tarzan remake. Mm-hmm. Um, you see the new Legend of Tarzan movie? I have not. It's, it's actually pretty good. He, like, jumps off this, like, huge cliff, and basically the branches break their fall. So he jumps off. See him go through, and then he's running on the on the log. So obviously it's doable. So my point being, that to me is above and beyond. Incurring a dollar fifty ATM fee, and no nah, Bank of America dollar twenty five Willie. Mm. See, I was very conscious and aware. Mm-hmm. Very good. Yeah, they they do. So the ATM charges you fee, and then B of A charges you the. So fee. wait a minute. So I think you got to update. So your when the guy I, picked no. up the car, he was like, "Where's my tip?" No, it's like uh, a courtesy. I guess you tip the guy like 20 or 40 bucks or something. Too so spec- TC wanted to put it in the visor, told the guy his tip's in the visor, but then forgot to put the tip in there. Don't you usually tip somebody at the end? I don't know. I've never tipped anybody ahead of time on delivering a car. Like, like when the guy comes to pick up the car, I would tip the person that delivered it, not the person that picks it up. Maybe TC was greasing the guy. Give him a good spot. Get him on the, like... Whether the top or the bottom, what's better, top or bottom on a transport? I don't know. It's, it's just like something. But if it, you're greasing a guy. So TC you, called you, you and go said, ahead hey, hey, you, you got to tip this dude? And you're like, no, okay. He, he texted, group texted Luke and I. And then Luke was like, uh, you suggested to TC that he takes a step further and calls me for this. I'm but, like, I'm here. I'm not doing it. Text is on the road. It might be convenient for him. Give him a call. Uh, and then he just solo texted me. <laughs> I would have probably, I mean, I can get it, but I probably would have, like, was the dude expecting a tip? We don't know. We never even saw the guy. Just TC's car was gone one day, and we assume it got picked up. Well, I know. They called us, and uh, they came, and, um, like, we let the, like, they, I think uh, the the keys were in it, so so, uh, Kate drove it down the road to the guy, and then the guy just loaded it up. I wouldn't have tipped that guy. I would have just been like, just, just take it. Or, you know what's going to be hilarious? Kate took the tip. No. <laughs> TC's going to get in his car, and you know what he's going to laugh at? I got fucking 40 bucks off the of tax. Fuck you. But tax, you didn't put it in the thing, did you? Yeah, I did. Oh, you did? Nice. Yeah. So it was a long con for TC to get 40 bucks off of you. Ah, uh, TC. You know, Sounds like TC above went above and beyond. And beyond. <laughs> well, I like it. I, I, you know, I didn't know the intern had the balls. Mm-hmm. Well, what do you say, TC? Let us know it. 
Callie at PowerAthleteHQ.com. And that's it for today, people. Power Athlete Radio, the premier podcast in strength and conditioning. Ing. <laughs> <laughs> He's holding strong. I like it. Bye. Drop on, drop on. Now it's time for you to empower your performance. I know we keep asking for feedback on iTunes or wherever you listen to this podcast. And if you're one of the few who actually plan on submitting a rating, please drop a little note and let us know how long you've been listening. You can also send an email if it's more convenient to Callie at PowerAthleteHQ.com. That's C-A-L-I. And let me know how you found the podcast and why it sucks or why you enjoy it. We really appreciate your feedback, even though we don't plan on changing anything about the podcast. Until next time, bye! Music blasting.